Yeah, yeah. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly along with you on a Wednesday night. If you want to get in and start the show, 215-592-9494 is how you join in. A lot to get to throughout the course of the show uh, involving uh, the Eagles. I do want to talk a little Eagles tonight. A former Eagle with some harsh words uh, for the city of Philadelphia. So we'll get to that a little later on. I finally did my full Super Bowl rewatch. I know a lot of people did that last week. Well, I did it this week. I was hey, handed in late? I was is that a, what you're doing? I was handed in late. I wasn't on last week, Nick. I was away for a few days. Ridiculous. So I'll do my show. I'll do my rewatch uh, tonight, and I'll give you my observations. Makeup rewatch, and we- basically. Whether my opinions changed uh, on the turf, and whether the the Eagles were negatively affected. So we'll get to that a little later on. But where we need to start tonight is with the Phillies. Obviously, we've broken down the game on the final out. We'll continue talking about the game if you want to get in. We have Tim Kelly of Phillies Nation coming up at eleven uh, to break everything down, and, and uh, he was down there today with what Dave Dombrowski had to say, and that's where I want to start tonight. Because the Phillies lose this game, but the the larger story continues to be the trade deadline and what are the Phillies going to do and the mystery surrounding Bryce Harper at first base, which is hovering over, over all this. And Dabrowski addressed the media mainly about Andrew Painter. We played what he had to say about Painter during the final out, but also talked about the deadline and talked about Bryce Harper at first. First, here was Dave Dabrowski on Harper and when and if the Phillies do expect him to get over and play some first base. When I say that, my, the way I would answer it is, I think he's going to go to first base at some point here. He's working out. You see him working out all the time. He, he looks like he feels um, comfortable over there. Um, he's throwing from first base. But it's also a situation that he, when he's in a position where, okay, you feel... It's been a strange, you know, as you get through this time, four-day all-star break, you come back, um, day-night doubleheader on Saturday, rain on Sunday, off day Monday. So there hasn't been a lot of work at first base in the recent time period. So I think it's more a matter, okay, let's get him out there, hit some ground balls to him, do his throw and do some the cutoffs and relays. And when he finally says, hey, I'm comfortable and ready, he's been clear from a doctor's perspective, so we'll, we'll be prepared to put him out there. I do not think that, per se, when he says that, he'll go out there and play every single day for a week straight. I think he'll play out there whatever it is, a day or two, and get a day off and, and work him back in that regard. But. So, I mean, Dombrowski kind of echoing a lot of what Rob Thompson has said about Bryce at first base, and they, he needs a little more work, and they expect him to be out there soon. But once again, he wasn't out there on Wednesday. It does not sound like he'll be out there at first base tomorrow. Here was more from Dombrowski on the deadline and how the Harper situation kind of goes into the uh, mathematics of, of, of what the Phillies need. Well, I mean, you're always looking to get better in any way you possibly can. But I would say that you know, part of our what we need is based upon what happens with Bryce because, I mean, if Bryce can move to first base, um, it allows us then to free up the DH spot and put Kyle over there a little bit more at that time. And then we have the ability to decide what we want to do in left field. Now, we could do a lot of different things or the outfield period, but let's just say you, know, you play Kyle out there, you get a bat somewhere else. I think really what we're looking for a little bit is, is somebody that can swing the bat from the right-hand side would probably be the best way to but but not just any position either. So I, I, I'm going to keep a little open-mindedness to that because there's some different type of thought processes that we have. So I don't know what... 
I don't know what to think after Dave Dombrowski comments here. And if you want to get in 215-592-9494, but what he's saying has me worried about this team's thinking. Because on one hand, like, those comments to me contradicted themselves. On one hand, Dave Dombrowski is saying he quote-unquote thinks Bryce Harper will get there and believes he will play first base. But even if he does, it's not going to be every day. A lot of what we've heard from Rob Thompson and, and Bryce himself is that if he plays first base, it's going to be a day here, it's going to be a day there, it's not going to be consistent. But then on the other hand, Dave Dombrowski is saying, you know, Bryce and whether he can play first base will affect what they do at the deadline. And I don't know how these two things can kind of connect and correlate with each other. And to me, the Phillies need to accept the reality here. And the reality of this situation is that this is not something you can rely on. Can Bryce Harper maybe end up playing first base? Yeah, it's possible. But it's not something at this point that you can count on leading up to the trade deadline. And that's the question I have to start the show. Can the Phillies bank on Bryce Harper being the first baseman for the rest of the season, really down the stretch, if they haven't seen it yet? And if you want to get in, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494. Because you just can't count on this. You can't count on a guy who's never played that position, even if he plays it over the weekend, even if he plays it a day here, a day there, leading up to the trade deadline, you're looking at maybe four or five games of evidence before the deadline passes. And to me, this whole situation with the Phillies... It's holding them hostage. Like, it's holding Dave Dombrowski and this front office hostage in terms of what they are planning to do. They need to make their plans now. They need to decide right now what are they going to pursue and what are they looking to add. And right now, if they continue to be on the fence with this Bryce Harper first base situation, they're not doing all the work that they need to do to get a first baseman in here. Right now, it should be very simple. You need a first baseman. You cannot count on Bryce Harper playing this position if he's never done it before. And I'm worried that the Phillies continue to be banking on this. Like, they have been banking on this happening at some point for two months now. If it was going to happen, and you were going to be able to have some evidence that Bryce Harper could do this, it would have already happened. The fact that he has not been able to get out there yet, and I don't know if it's that Bryce doesn't feel comfortable. I don't know if they are worried about his health if he were to be out there at first base, but the whole situation just seems off to me. It seems odd, and I think they should just give up on this idea altogether, honestly. Go out and get a first baseman. That's what you need. You need to fill the spot in your lineup, and you cannot allow yourself to be held hostage. And what if you do? Like, say you see Bryce Harper play four games. And you think, okay, well, he'll be all right. What if that? What, what if you get past the deadline, and then it just doesn't work, and he either doesn't feel good out there, or isn't you know playing the position well, or he realizes he can't really throw the ball in game action? Then what do you do? You have no way to go out and get better. There's no options to go out and improve your team, and the Phillies have run out of time on this experiment. We talked about it last night, and I think the way they're handling this is a mistake. I think they should give up on this idea, go out and get a first baseman, whether it's Goldschmidt, whether it's Crone, whether it's Bellinger. I don't care. You need to go out and get somebody to fill this role. And if you want to get into 215-592-9494, do you think the Phillies should continue to bank on Bryce Harper playing first base? Because it feels like they're looking at this as like it's a certainty and it's far from it you have no alternatives that are viable 
None of your alternatives that you have in your organization can be everyday first baseman. You need to go add. This needs to be the top priority. And the Phillies need to stop banking on Bryce being the solution. 215-592-9494. We'll get to the phones in a second here. But Nick Earnshaw producing the show. Nick, do you feel like the Phillies are banking on this? And should they be banking on this still at this point, less than two weeks before the deadline? I mean, even if you look at the at-bat tonight from Bryce, like that was weird. The whole thing, like since the weekend ended, like it has been weird with Bryce. The whole situation of him playing first. The comments that Rob Thompson made. Like, yeah, like I'm concerned. Like you don't know what you're going to get out of Bryce Harper at first base. Is he even going to be comfortable there? Is he going to make mistakes out in the field? Is he? Is there going to be lapse of judgment? I don't know because there's so much that goes into playing first. I'd rather them go out and get somebody to play first rather than do this whole experiment thing. And if it doesn't work out, just just keep him as a DH. If it's if it's going to be so much of a hassle, right? Like go out and get somebody. You have some prospects you can give up to maybe get a decent first baseman. You don't have to go after like a Paul Goldschmidt, but like a CJ Crone, somebody like that to kind of fill that void. I. I'm just so lost on where we've gone with this whole first base thing with Bryce. It's it's getting out of hand now because it's gotten so weird. Yeah, and the bottom line is you just you don't have time. Like you don't have the time to wait on this thing anymore. And I when I listen to Dave Dombrowski and I listen to Rob Thompson, they make it seem like they they, they still have the luxury of time to figure out whether this thing is going to work. You don't have time, man. You have 13 days. The trade deadline is on what August 1st this year. You have less than two weeks. You need to figure this thing out. You need to go get a first baseman because if I, if they get to a playoff situation and they have Derek Hall or Drew Ellis or whoever at first base, Cody Clemens, uh, Cody Clemens, I'm going to lose my friggin' mind. That's what's going to happen, okay? Like if I see Derek Hall, who I cannot watch anymore, if I see him come up to bat at any point in the playoffs, I am going to throw a baseball through my TV screen. Serenity now! Uh, thank you, Frank. I cannot deal with this. The Phillies need a first baseman. They need to solve this problem. And Bryce may have been the solution at some point, but it's too late. You've run out. You need to add a first baseman. You need to fill this hole. And the Phillies are acting like there's no urgency. There should be urgency. They need to scrap this idea. Just let Bryce focus on being the DH. Let him do what he did last year. And that's the solution. It's the only solution at this point. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to Joe in the Northeast. What's up, Joe? Hey, how you doing? I agree with you uh, with Bryce playing first base. He should not play first base at this point in the season. Rob's been beating the bush around it. It's too late to experiment. I mean, they should have done it earlier. He's been working on first base for how long? The last two, three months? Yeah, I mean, the, the first time this was brought up, I think, was in either late May or early June, Joe. I mean, they've been talking about it forever. Um, I've seen them working out down at the ballpark, but at some point, you got to actually try it. Exactly. I really think they need to grab a third baseman or first baseman. Boom. He can play first base. Arenado would be the only third baseman they could grab, but they have to do something. They have to bite the bullet. Schwarber's going to have to play left field the rest of the season. You got to play with Nick and Wright, and they're just going to have to, you know, throw a left fielder out there and Rojas every now and then when Bryce needs a break hitting or Schwarber needs a break hitting. It, they just cannot continue to put Derek Hall out there every day. He just cannot do it. They're not going to win the World Series with him. Yeah, no, I agree, Joe, and I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. And yeah, I mean, it really seems pretty simple. And I mean, I don't know if what Dave Dombrowski said today is just posturing, but you you can't 
count on Bryce Harper doing something that he's never done less than two weeks before the deadline. Like, you just got to simplify this. And right now, I, I think the Phillies are just – they are hoping they, – they are holding out hope for something that they've just run out of time on. Like, at, at some point, yeah, it sounded like a great idea. It sounded – like it was practical. Like, okay, Bryce, maybe he's not going to be able to play the outfield, but he can come back, he can play first base, and you can kind of, you know, go with things that way, and you can get Schwarber off the field. gives you a little more versatility. But you run out of time. Like, it's really that simple. You've run out of time. You cannot continue to go down this road. you got to find a first baseman. you got to scrap this idea, let Bryce focus on being the DH, um, and go get a first baseman because that's the biggest need. And the Phillies cannot count on something that they haven't seen happening. Even if it looks like it may be able to happen, even if they still think it can happen, they haven't seen it, and that's way too big of a risk to take. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, open lines if you want to join the show. When we get back, we'll be joined by Tim Kelly, covers the Phillies for Phillies Nation. Talk to Tim about everything Dave Dabrowski had to say, Andrew Painter, trade deadline, the game tonight. Tim's coming up next, so we'll get him up uh, coming up next here. I'm Tom Kelly with you until 2 tonight, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Wednesday night. Uh, talking a lot about the Phillies so far. Phil's fall tonight to the Brewers down at Citizens Bank Park by a final score of 5-3. to three. One of the people who's down there covering the game, Tim Kelly, editorial director, Phillies Nation. You can find him on Twitter, at Tim Kelly Sports. Uh, and we bring Tim in now to break down this game tonight and uh, talk about a lot of things dealing with the Phillies. A lot of news today. Not all of it good with the Phils. Uh, Tim hops on now. What's up, man? I appreciate you hopping on, Tim. Yeah, it was a very interesting day. There was all, all, all everyone talking this afternoon. Interesting game. And then I got a hit with a torrential downpour walking out of the stadium today. Got back to Center City and the sidewalks are dry. So oh, really? Weird, weird I didn't yeah. even I didn't even know it was raining outside. So it just rained basically over Citizens Bank Park. And unfortunately, that's where yeah. you were. <laughs> yep. Well, that's a, that, that stinks, man. Well, I'm sorry about that. Hopefully, no, uh, hopefully you can dry off here. But a lot of stuff to get into, Tim. And before we get into the bigger news of the day, uh, let's start with the game. Phil's lose this one 5-3 to three tonight uh, down at the ballpark. Uh, biggest takeaways, I mean, was this just a case in, in your mind of the offense once again, just not coming through with a big hit when they needed it? Yeah, a little bit of that. I mean, it's, you're not going to win every game. They had won four in a row going into this game. M- my biggest thing that I'm still trying to figure out from tonight is what exactly Bryce Harper, uh, to put it politely, I, or for lack of a better phrase, what he was doing in that at-bat against Hobie Milner. Um, I, and I tried to ask Rob Thompson after the game. He kind of said he just thought Bryce didn't think he was going to throw a strike, which is kind of weird to me if it – He's already thrown two strikes in the count, three to two. Bryce Harper didn't talk after the game, not that there was any reason that he would have talked, but uh, it, it was just kind of a strange situation because he didn't even like take his bat off his shoulder for a few straight pitches. No, Tim, it was very weird, and I did want to ask you about that because it, it looked like, you know, in, in past years when the National League had had a pitcher hitting where a pitcher would just go to the plate and the manager would say, just stand there, That that is what it looked like. Um do you think, and and obviously, who knows, but uh, do you think everything's right with Bryce, like, physically right now? And, and do you think this has any correlation with the fact that he hasn't been out there at first base as was, as was originally planned in the series? 
No, I, I don't know what it was today, but I, I think, and I don't know, we'll get into this, I'm sure, exactly what it is keeping them from playing first base. But physically, I don't think that there are issues. Uh, I don't think they'd put him out there and risk. He's still got eight years left on his contract after this year, seven or eight. Um, if he wasn't right, he wouldn't be out there. Now, I'm, I'm sure he doesn't feel perfect as he still works his way back from Tommy John. But if it wasn't safe for him to be out there, he wouldn't be out there. And the next step out, when he came up in the ninth inning, he swung like he was trying to hit a 400-foot home run. So it wasn't anything physical he was able to put together in at bat, even though I think he struck out. Uh, there wasn't any reason to believe he was injured. It was just kind of one of those strange things that – uh, didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it was weird. And we'll get back to, to Bryce and the first base thing in a few minutes when we talk about the deadline, Tim. But one more thing on the game tonight. Um, uh, the the steal in the ninth inning, Bryson Stott sent trying to go to second base. Uh, what did Rob have to say after say about that after the game? And, and did you agree with that decision? Yeah, I, I think that that was fine for him to try to get in the scoring position there. He's typically been very good. Both uh, – Rob and Brandon Marsh spoke after the game, and they kind of said it had to be a perfect throw from William Contreras, and he made a great throw, and sometimes you tip your cap to the other team. Bryson Stott, to me, has been like the most consistent player on this team for the entirety of this season. So uh, plays like that happen, and he was very close to getting in. He just missed it. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that there's any – real huge story coming out of that yeah tim kelly joining us now editorial director phillies nation you can find him at tim kelly sports on twitter and tim let's talk about the biggest news of the day uh andrew painter getting shut down he'll have tommy john surgery uh and will miss all of the 2024 season um you know just your thoughts on on painter uh getting shut down here and you know how the phillies handled this thing do you think they made a mistake by not kind of resorting to this a little earlier on well, I asked Dave Dombrowski about that directly because I know it's something that had been out there. But at the time, not only did the Phillies make the decision that rest and rehab was best, but Neil Elitrosh, who's like the number one Tommy John doctor, he did Bryce Harper's surgery. He will visit with Andrew Painter Monday and do the procedure Wednesday if that's indeed the route that they end up going. He decided at that time also back in March that rest and rehab was the best path. There was some healing but ultimately not enough. Now, if there had been a complete tear of his UCL, he would have had the surgery. There wasn't a complete tear. There is some history of pitchers. Masahiro Tanaka is one of them that have pitched through with a partially torn or sprained. They mean the same thing, UCL. But with the Phillies, you've seen a few guys, Cliff Lee, Sir Anthony Dominguez, and now Andrew Painter, who don't, who try the rest and rehab, it doesn't work, and then they're faced with the Tommy John decision. And uh, it's unfortunate. Obviously, you feel bad for him as a person. And I, I do think to a degree the Phillies just were too reliant this season coming in on Andrew Painter. Their expectations weren't managed or downplayed enough coming into the season. And uh, it's unfortunate that he got injured, but in the end, they probably shouldn't have been as reliant on him as they were. No doubt, and I agree with that, that, that they were a little over-reliant on what he could provide um, earlier on this season. And obviously, Tommy John has changed over the years, Tim. Like It's it's not necessarily the way it used to be, and you see a lot of pitchers come back from this um, and are better off for it. Do you think this surgery is a massive concern moving forward with Painter in terms of his uh, long-term career? 
I wouldn't think so, but, I mean, you never know. Zach Wheeler had it, and it took him probably two and a half years to really get back to where he had been previously. And now he's had a run for five, six, seven seasons where he's been one of the ten best pitchers in baseball, and he's been a horse. So uh, you can see that. But Zach Wheeler had pitched at the major league level a bit before that. Andrew Painter obviously has not. So he's going to have to go through this. I would say next year he's out, and who knows what will happen like where he's at in 2025, do you try to have him begin the season with the team or does he go to AAA where he's never been at? Uh, that obviously will be determined by how the rehab goes. But I don't think it's a huge long-term concern for him, uh, but obviously it's unfortunate. Tim Kelly joining us now, editorial director of Phillies Nation at Tim Kelly Sports, where you can find him on Twitter. And uh, another aspect of this, Tim, that you can't ignore is leading up to the deadline. And Andrew Painter's name, you know, has has been out there as the Phillies, you know, most valuable prospect. Do you think this impacts his value? And do you think this impacts maybe the way the Phillies view him at the deadline and, and whether they'd be more open to trade him, trading him, considering the fact uh, that he won't be available next year? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think they were going to trade him previously, and I think if a guy is going to miss all of next season because of Tommy John, even if teams are really high on what he could be, uh, I think that that greatly diminishes his value. And as the Phillies, like, you would have to be like the dream scenario of who you'd be acquiring to give up Andrew Painter, and even then I don't know if they would move him. If you're having to give him up where a team views him as 50 cents on the dollar because he's going to miss next season, you're probably not going to get the type of return that would entice you to think about moving him anyway. Right, and let's get back to the Bryce thing now, Tim, because this is the other big story of the week, and it's just been weird, I think is the best word we can use to describe it, because over the weekend, it sounded like Bryce was going to be at first base in this series. Um, to me, Rob Thompson's excuse, you know, explanation of him not getting the work in uh, because of the rain delay on Sunday didn't really add up, but does this Bryce Harper situation and the way this first base thing continues to be pushed back, does this make sense to you? Uh, I would admit that I am kind of perplexed in trying to figure out exactly what's going on in this situation. And uh, I think Rob Thompson has kind of had to come out and be the face of it, but I don't know necessarily that everything has been his doing in terms of some of these things. Now, maybe it makes sense not to put timetables on things if that timetable isn't 100%. But, yeah, it's a little weird to me that – because they had a doubleheader and because it rained one day and he couldn't play in the field, that that has limited him or prevented him from getting out in the field to this point. I don't think that there's any injury concern, again, because I don't think they'd put him out there if that was the case. But they need to figure out what they're doing before the trade deadline. And I think at this point what's going to happen is he will be out there at some point in the next week. I don't think it would be the worst idea for him to debut at first base on the road in Cleveland this weekend. Uh, but they're going to have an incomplete picture of him at first base, and they're just going to have to move forward with that and act accordingly at the deadline. And if it ends up kind of being a mess with him at first base, they may be stuck with that for the remainder of the season. I I don't think it's going to be bad with him at first base, but I I feel like delaying this has almost put more pressure on him. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt, Tim, because, you know, Bryce has talked about it and, and Dombrowski and, and Rob Thompson as well. They've all kind of indicated this isn't going to be an everyday thing, at least at first. It'll be a day here, a day there. I mean, is this really enough time to determine whether Bryce is able to do this? And, and if if not, you know, should the Phillies be on in the market for a first baseman at the deadline? Well, I think the dream scenario is if you can find someone that can play first base and left field, but there's not a ton of those guys that are impact bats. And I think really what this comes down to is do you think Bryce Harper can be better at first base than Kyle Schwarber is in left field, at least on certain days of the week where you want to get him out of the lineup? And do you think getting Schwarber off his feet in left field will also help him offensively? And even if they're – the Phillies haven't minced words about this, that there will be growing pains whenever Harper does go out to first base. And maybe that's not ideal to be doing in August and September, but – Kyle Schwarber, and it's not for lack of effort, but by all defensive metrics has been the worst graded defender at any position in baseball this year. And I think that there's a chance that even if Bryce Harper is not great at first base, he's passable enough that it helps you improve your team. Yeah, Tim, and, and you look around at, at the trade deadline in other areas as well. So if the Phillies aren't going for a first baseman, if they do trust uh, Bryce in that spot, what do you think is the biggest need for this team uh, as they head toward the deadline? I definitely think it's a, a right-handed bat with some pop. And, you know, maybe there's a dream scenario for the Phillies where Reese Hoskins somehow returns as a DH, although I don't know who he would be taking out of the DH spot to put him in there, but maybe in the NLCS or the World Series he comes back. But you can't plan for that. And they miss, for whatever flaws Reese Hoskins had, they missed the 30 home run, 90 RBI production. And it's one of the reasons Dave Dombrowski specifically mentioned a right-handed bat, although he didn't rule out the idea of going for a left-handed bat. I hear people say Cody Bellinger, and he fits the bill in the sense that he could play first or the outfield. But you are such a left-handed lineup right now. I, I just I think you need to acquire a right-handed hitter uh, to kind of replace the production that you lost with Reese Hoskins. Yeah, and uh, you know, Tim, one of the things that's interesting as we look toward the deadline, I can't remember a time when we've gotten to the trade deadline and we haven't really thought that bullpen uh, is a massive need for this team. Uh, how how much better do you think this bullpen has been in past years, and and how big has K- Craig Kimbrell specifically been uh, to stabilizing that back end this year? Yeah, he's been huge, and I think one of the things the Phillies are going to have to weigh is he's thirty five years old, and do they believe? As it gets to September, and then for them, ideally October, do they believe he's going to hold up? Uh, obviously, they're hoping, and I, uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, it sounds like, will start a rehab appearance this week, and I believe Jose Alvarado did like some throwing today from 60 feet. So those two guys will probably be their biggest additions. But I think with those injuries you've seen, and Gregory Soto had an appearance or two where that were a little spotty and Craig Kimball's 35. Like, I don't think it would be the worst idea to add another guy, but I think this is a, a bullpen that's very good with talent because you have someone like Connor Brogdon who, for as frustrating as he's been at times, there's just no way he would be a triple A in any of the bullpens the Phillies have had the last four or five years. 
Yeah, th- there's no doubt about that, Tim. And just one more for you as we look at the starting at the starting staff, and this was something we talked about for the last few weeks, but it's kind of stabilized here. Uh, do you think the Phillies are in the market for a starter at all, or do you think they're willing to, to ride this thing out with Christopher Sanchez as the uh, number five guy? I think they're in the – if I had to guess, I think they're in the market based off of what Dave Dombrowski said today. But I don't – he did he said this specifically that he doesn't think it's a need – to add someone that could start a postseason game, but they wouldn't rule it out. So I don't think that they're necessarily in the market for a front-of-the-line starter. They're going to sink or swim based on whether Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler kind of get it together in the second half relative to disappointing first halves to different degrees. And also Ranger Suarez and Taiwan Walker kind of uh, pitch well at the right times. I think that, that is, those are the four you're going to have pitching postseason games, but adding someone like Rich Hill or someone that you think would be a slight upgrade over Christopher Sanchez in number five, I don't think that that's a terrible idea. And worst case scenario, and this isn't really a bad case, you had last year where Bailey Falter was out pitching Noah Syndergaard, and Noah Syndergaard went to the bullpen for a while, but still ended up being a guy in the postseason that made an impact. So having one too many starters is not a problem at all in my mind. Well, that's Tim Kelly, editorial director of Phillies Nation. You can find him on Twitter, at Tim Kelly Sports. Uh, Tim, I know you're disappointed. No TK trivia tonight, uh, but we'll have, to, uh, we'll have to do it again soon and, and do some trivia. Yeah, Dan's got to think of some more TKs. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. All right, thanks, Tim. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. All right, that's Tim Kelly, uh, editorial director for Phillies Nation. And, yeah, I mean, the, the Phillies at, at the deadline, it's 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 going to be really interesting to see how this thing plays out. And, I mean, everybody down there, the big story tonight is just this Bryce Harper bat. And I, I, I would love to get people's take on it because it's one of the – it's one of the weirdest things I've seen. I still don't – a hundred percent know how to describe it. I I have no explanation for what could have happened here. It None. was it was like a, a little league manager telling a little league player to go up there and just stand there, let let him just throw to you and just take every pitch. That, that's literally what it looked like. I don't understand why he was just standing there with the bat on his shoulders. It made no sense to me. Like it looked like he was told to do that. Is he like afraid of Hobie Milner or something? Like, it was bizarre. It was weird. I don't think that's it. I, I don't know what it could have been. Because like Tim said, he comes up in the ninth inning and he, he's looking to hit the ball, you know, to center city. Right. So I, I don't understand exactly what happened there. And if you, you don't know what we're talking about, if you didn't see the game, try to go back and watch the, the Bryce Harper's leadoff at bat in the bottom of the sixth inning. Because it was just bizarre. He goes to the plate. He literally stands there as Hobie Milner throws fastball after fastball down the middle. And he's up 3-1 in the count, not even in a batting stance, up 3-2, kind of, you know, in a stance but didn't look like he was going to swing at all. And just very bizarre and, and a weird few days for Bryce Harper. Coming out of a weekend where it looked like he was trending in the right direction, you know, he has a great weekend against San Diego, has a great doubleheader on Saturday, breaks out of the home run slump, gets the big game-tying hit on Sunday, and then the last couple days, whether it's this at bat, whether it's all of a sudden him not playing first base when we expected him to play first base, just a lot of weirdness going on. And I don't know how to explain it. I mean, Tim said he doesn't think it's it's dealing with an injury or anything like that, um, and it 
it's just bizarre. So if you want to get in, you're welcome to. But, uh, you know, what do you think the Phillies need to do with the deadline here? I don't think they can bank on this first base thing. I just think it would be a massive mistake to rely on a guy playing a position that he's never played before, especially such an important position, and especially a position where you just need production. You need power. You need production. As much as I was critical of Reese Hoskins, the Phillies have missed his power. They've missed his bat. There is absolutely no denying that. They need to find somebody who is going to be able to provide that punch, and I'm not willing to just take a leap of faith that Bryce Harper is going to learn to play first base in August and September, because if it doesn't work, you're in deep trouble. If it doesn't work, you have no backup plan. They need to go out and get a first baseman. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. When we get back, uh, we'll continue talking Phil's. Also, I did my Super Bowl rewatch, and I, uh, I, I have some takes off of that game. So we'll talk about that as well coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Wednesday night. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Uh, talking about the Phillies a lot so far. Phils lose tonight 5-3. to um, And the big topic of conversation continues to be this first base situation and how the Phillies are going to proceed with this and how it's going to affect what they do with the deadline. Because in my mind... The Phillies cannot rely on Bryce Harper being the first baseman. And it sounds like that's the plan right now. Like, it it seems like they are still banking on this being the solution. And it can't be the solution. You've run out of time. You needed to see this earlier. And you can't just assume that Bryce Harper is going to be able to do something that he has never done before in the next few weeks when you're going to need a guy to play there in the playoffs. Like... The Phillies are talking about Bryce Harper playing first base, and the way they're discussing it is like, okay, well, he'll he'll be there a day here, a day there. That's not what you need. You need somebody there every day. You need somebody who's going to be able to fill that role every single day because you can't you you don't have other alternatives. You don't have good plans behind him. You don't have any other options. You have Derek Hall, Cody Clemens, and Drew Ellis. None of those guys are major league players. None of those guys can be on a serious in a serious contenders lineup when you get to a postseason game. So the Phillies need to go out and get a first baseman. They need to abandon this Bryce Harper idea. They need to just leave him in the DH spot and go get somebody who can play first base and do it consistently. That's what the Phillies need to do. And if they don't, I mean, they're making a mistake here. They need to abandon this idea and and go out and, and get a first baseman. And to make those plans, you need to make them now. If they don't, if they're still assuming this is a possibility, that's making a mistake. And they'll miss out on options that are available. This should be the main goal right now. This is a pretty complete team. I think from a pitching staff perspective, they're in a good spot. You need another bat. First base is a spot where it looks like there are going to be bats who could be available, whether it's Goldschmidt, C.J. Crone, Cody Bellinger. You need to find a first base, and that needs to be the top priority. Abandon the Bryce Harper idea. So if you want to get on that, should the Phillies still be banking on Bryce Harper being the first baseman, you're welcome to do that as well. And in a minute, I did want to get to some of the observations from my Super Bowl rewatch here. I know I'm a week late. 
I know everybody did this last week. Well, I was away. I was down the shore. I didn't do it last week. So, yes, I'm turning in my homework a little late. So you got an extension, basically. I got an extension. That's exactly right, Nick. But I wanted to ask you a question real quick because you told me something somewhat disturbing during the break. That you are going with your girlfriend to see this Barbie movie. No, 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 no. I'm not go. I don't oh, know you're if not I'm going. going. I don't know if what I'm do going. What do you mean yet. you don't know if you're going? I don't know if I'm going yet because she might decide to go with her friends or something. But like as of now, it seems like I'm gonna be forced to go. Wait, wait. So this isn't your decision. You're, you're, you might be, you might be obligated to go. She might force you to go. Well, Stand up for yourself. Nick. Here's the thing. It was only fair because I made her go see Air with me, and that she doesn't care about Michael Jordan and the shoe. She she didn't care. She liked the movie, but you know I made her go see that. So now now it's my obligation. Now I have to see Barbie. That's that's where we're at. Okay. Well, well, I gotta say, and what what is your girlfriend's name if you don't mind me? Sarah. Sarah. Well, I I, I don't understand why Sarah needs you to go with her though. Why can't she go see them if she wants to go see Barbie? Why can't you go see it alone? I mean, I, I've gone to movies alone She's done before. that. But no, I, apparently it's a whole thing. There is a whole thing what that you have to go. I don't thing. know. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Apparently because Barbie's like this huge deal coming out this year and Oppenheimer's coming out too. You got to see both. The whole thing is you're going to go see Oppenheimer, then you're going to go across the hall and you're going to see Barbie afterwards. Well, that, I mean, first off, that's that's stealing. It's a long day. No, no, no. You get both tickets. Oh, you, I'm, not, oh. I'm not saying you're going to... No, I'm not just going to jump theaters. I'm oh, going to get the tickets. Okay. I'm going to follow the rules here, TK. Oh, oh, yeah. You're a rule follower. I would go see Oppenheimer. That looks good. That looks good. But going to see Bar... Like, what are you going to dress up in a, in a in a pink suit? No. Go see I'm the not, movie? I'm not going to be forced to go that far. I'm not going that far. But I'm, I may have to be forced to go see this movie. Well, it's, it's, it's going to be painful. Well, I, I, and I want to throw this out to the audience. Uh, have you ever been go- forced to go see a movie with your significant other? I've never been f- been forced. I mean, I've I've always had the option. And do you like to go to the like? I like going to the movies alone more than I like going with other people. I think. Nah, I like going with people, but I gotta go to like the lay down where you have like the couch and it's like the recliner. I don't, I don't, I don't go anywhere else now. Like the reclining movie theater is the best thing they ever invented. I've never been to one of those. Movie they are theaters. the best. It's all it's around me anymore. Like uh, uh, wherever I'm at in South Jersey, like it's all all the movie theaters are all the recliner. It's fantastic. I've fallen asleep during a few movies. Maybe I could do that during Barbie. I'll just fall asleep. Or you could just you could just put your foot down, stand up for yourself, and say I'm not going to see Barbie. That's listen, what you do. Listen. She can go see Barbie. You can go see Oppenheimer. You don't need to be but together. But she wants to see Oppenheimer, too. That's the problem. Well, then you, you say, okay, we'll go see Oppenheimer first. You can walk across the hall and see Barbie. I'll pick you up in two hours. Listen, I forced her to go see Air, the, the Michael Jordan movie. I, I went in my Jordans. I went in my Jordan T-shirt. And, it, you know, it, it was it was a big deal. All and, right. you know, so I, I it's you got you to give to get sometimes, you know? Well, <laughs> I, I, I hear you. There's no doubt about that. But I'll throw this out to the audience. If your significant other wanted you to go see Barbie, would you go do it? I would not. Like, there's no way in hell I would see that movie, let alone go to the theater. It's going to be so bad. If it's at home and my wife wanted to watch it and my wife has no interest in this, thankfully, I guess, you you know, you could handle that. 
There's no way I I go to the theater. I I am going to probably fall asleep. I guarantee it. I've gone to one of the movie one movie we went to see together. I didn't even care about. It. I can't remember which one it was. I fell asleep through the entire thing. I'm embarrassed on your behalf, Nick. Like I'm embarrassed on your behalf that you were going to see Barbie in the movie theater. It's it's gonna it's gonna happen. Like I I'm just not I'm just gonna live with it at this point. Like oh. it's going to happen. I'm not gonna be able to get out of it. I'm gonna be forced to go, and it's I'll, I'll give you a review and let you know I, how it goes. The, the I ten don't, minutes I see. I don't want a review. Like I do not want a review of this movie. I don't want anything to do with this movie. I'm gonna stay as far away from this movie as humanly possible. I you know I wish I could say the same. I really do. I wish I could say the same. All right. Well. Well, I'll throw it out to the audience. If your significant other uh, wanted you to go see Barbie with them, would you? Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. We'll continue talking about the fills. A lot of stuff to get through throughout the course of the show. But last week at the station, um, a lot of people did the full Super Bowl rewatch. And it's something that I hadn't done uh, since the day after the game. Like, the night of the game, obviously you watch it. The day after the game, I watched it back. And I had not watched it since. I had not watched highlights of the game since. But I went back. I did wanted to do some prep work for the show. Um, and I didn't want to be left out because everybody else did this last week. So I went back and I, I, I watched myself. And first off, it was a phenomenal game. Like, there's no doubt you go back and watch that game. It's one of the best football games uh, I've, I've ever seen. There's absolutely no doubt uh, about that. So many ebbs and flows. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll go through some observations here. But re-watching it, my biggest takeaway was that the Eagles just lost to a better team. Like, like watching it, and I was really watching to want to know if there were other things at play because that's kind of what I thought at the time. And I want to know from the audience out there, are you willing to admit that? Like, are you willing to admit all these months later that the Eagles lost because they were beat that day by a better team? And if you want to get in 215-592-9494, because it wasn't the turf, man. Like, I watched it, and I was trying to watch it extremely closely. I don't think the turf had nearly as big an impact as we made it out to over the last few months. It wasn't the hold at the end of the game. I mean, it was a close call. Could go either way, but James Bradbury held him. You know, you can be upset with that if you want. I think that's a more reasonable thing to be upset with with, than the turf, but it's not why they lost the game. I watched that game, and the Chiefs just took advantage of mistakes better than the Eagles did. Whether people want to admit it or not, it's true. And again, like, I was watching the turf thing closely – I didn't see it have a significant impact. And I have largely thought that that excuse was weak, made a real effort to watch, and I don't think it made a significant difference here. Like, you look at the turf, the turf was bad, but it wasn't why the Eagles' D-line didn't get home. Like, if you watch that game, you watch up front, they were getting handled. Like, the Chiefs' offensive line was dominating. It didn't really have much to do with the turf. It wasn't the fact that Reddick's getting around the edge or Josh Sweat's getting around the edge and they're slipping. They were getting handled by that Chiefs' offensive line. And re-watching it, a few things were evident. The three biggest plays I still think now are the three biggest plays that I thought before the game. One that we don't talk about nearly enough that was massive was the Quez Watkins drop. When the, when the Eagles are up 24-21, 
and they're driving down the field. Um, and Jalen Hurts delivers a perfect ball, like a perfect ball to Quez Watkins inside the 10-yard line. He stopped on a route, ended up kind of getting to it, got his hands on it. But if he doesn't stop, he's catching that ball. It's probably a touchdown. That was a massive play. Eagles end up setting for a field goal on that drive, score a touchdown, go up 31-21, probably win that game. The punt return, when you're down 28-27, and I don't think it was a bad decision to punt the ball there. You have fourth and three at your own 20. You can't risk going for it. You can't give up that return. It looked like the Eagles had it pretty well covered. Zach Paschal missed a pretty clean tackle, uh, and that was a massive, impactful play that set the Chiefs up to go up 35-27, and it, it, it was a, a big moment in that game. But the biggest play whether people want to admit it or not, was that Jalen Hurts fumble. Like, it totally changed the momentum of the game. And at the time, it's 14-7. And and what I didn't remember, and I felt like I had a pretty good memory for how things went down. Obviously, though, there are things you forget, and you go back and watch it, and, and it kind of brings that memory to life a little bit. But as much as we blame the James Bradbury hold, if you rewatch that game right before that series... When Jalen Hurts fumbles, the Eagles get off the field on a third down on a hold by Bradbury on Juju Smith-Schuster, which is so ironic that it was not cold. And it was way more egregious than the one at the end of the game. And I don't know if you remember this play, Nick, but the Eagles get the ball back and Bradbury basically you know, grabs Juju's arm as he's going to catch a slant over the middle to move the ball forward. Um, but the Eagles get off the field there on a play that's not called, and they didn't take advantage. Like, that was a huge moment. We can complain about the hold that was called at the end of the game, but that was a missed call that the refs didn't make, that the Eagles had an opportunity to take advantage of, and they just didn't because of the Jalen Hurts fumble. And watching this game back, I feel like it's evident they just lost to a better team. The Chiefs are better that day. Patrick Mahomes was, you know, not outstanding from a numbers perspective, but he did what he needed to do to win the game. And Andy Reid was great. And I think with so much of this, People don't want to admit that Andy Reid was better. And Andy Reid was better than the Eagles. And if you want to get into 1-5-5-9-2-9-4-9-4, but I think that's a big part of it. People do not want to admit that the Eagles got beat by Andy and Andy was better. And, you know, I know there's been criticism of Sirianni. I didn't think Sirianni coached a bad game. Like, you can argue on the fourth and sixth, should they have kicked the field goal? Should they have gone for it with the 24-21? I didn't have a huge problem with him kicking the field goal at that point to go up six. Um, looking back on it, of course, you probably go for it the way things ended up playing out and transpiring. Um, but my biggest takeaway was they lost to a better team, and I don't think the turf excuse holds up. I don't think the hold holds up. And watching that game, it actually made me feel better. Like, it made me feel better knowing that the Eagles were not robbed, they were beaten by a better team. That's my biggest takeaway, and I don't know if you rewatched it, Nick, but all these months later, how do you feel about it? Um, I, my, my feelings really haven't changed as much. Um, I, I will say that I, I'm still holding – a grudge on the the final call on Bradbury um, because I, I I just think in that particular moment now while yes it, it probably was a penalty right I don't think that's it wasn't egregious it wasn't egregious I don't think it should have been called in that moment of the game the ref should not decide the game in the end like I think if Jalen Hurts got the ball back because they would have scored 
They would have had some time left. I think if Jalen Hurts got the ball back in the end of that game, I think there was a great opportunity that the Eagles would have went down and scored. Uh, it, it, something, at least. Um, I, I wanted to see Jalen get the ball back. Yeah, and I um, think— And I, th- I think it was a gre- uh, not a great call by the refs. I, I still am at, at that point. Yeah, and I think we all would have liked to see that. There's no doubt about it. But I don't know if you remember this call earlier in the game. It was an awful non-call. Like, it, and it was— seen, like When Bradbury grabbed the arm, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember that, yes. Yeah, and like— if the Eagles take advantage there, if they don't turn the ball over, they take advantage, I mean, you probably win the game. So I look at it, you know, the refs give you some. They take away others. I I, I just don't I, I don't think the excuses really hold up all these months later. I just think the Chiefs are better. It's that simple. I thought I thought the Eagles played a little careless in this game. They didn't play their most crisp game whatsoever. Like it didn't look like that at all. Like it felt like they kind of reverted back to like like with all the penalties and, and like what was that the Tennessee game like in, in early on in the season. I thought in this game they they kind of were a little more sloppy than they had been previously, especially in the Giants game and in the San Francisco game and, and weeks before that. Yeah. So if you want to get into one five five nine two nine four nine four, you want to give your observations but I mean it kind of to me um, kind of validated what I, what I already believed and it's just that you know the Eagles they lost to a better team that day uh, the Chiefs outplayed them and I think you know as Eagles fans that makes it a little easier to move on at least for me like I look at it and I think they're going to be back I obviously Jalen Hurts the way he bounced back after that fumble gives you a lot of confidence moving forward um but I don't think the Eagles were robbed I don't think they got screwed I think they just lost to a better team I thought this was a winnable game and they just did not capitalize on their chances like the yeah. Quez drop like that that's what happened I thought it was a winnable game and they just didn't capitalize on their opportunities I thought I thought that's really the overarching theme of this game they, they just didn't capitalize it's that it's that simple and they made too many mistakes yeah so that, that's the way I view it and yeah I think uh, I think that that's uh you know reasonable Nick that they just didn't take care of oppor- take advantage of opportunities um and I think that was the the, the biggest reason they lost more than anything uh the refs had to do with it or the turfs had to do with it two one five five nine two nine four nine four if you want to get in harold i see you there uh we'll get to you when we get back also i have a social media uh thing to get to and also we have a twitter review of barbie which i need to uh mention as well so all that coming up next i'm tom kelly with you until two sports radio 94 wip Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Wednesday night. If you want to get in 215-592-9494, get a tweet from Bart who says, uh, you're going to be missing out. Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie are both hilarious, and the movie is going to be funnier than you can imagine. Watch any Ryan Gosling movie. He has amazing comedic timing. I mean, Ryan Gosling's a fine actor, but... It doesn't mean every movie he's in is good, right? right? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if he's that funny. Is he? That, I mean, he's fine. I don't think he's hysterical. I, I think he's good. He's a good actor. I don't think he's that funny. I'm trying to think what movies I've seen that Ryan Gosling's in. I he's mean, in Wolf of Wall Street. He's not in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, he is. No, he's not. No, Ryan, I'm Ryan thinking Gosling? a wrong, wrong movie. Wrong, yeah. totally wrong movie. Uh, he well, was in. Well, I mean, he was in Remember the Titans, but he wasn't like a lead in that movie. No, what was the movie um, about um, About 2008 and the financial crisis? He was in that one. That's the one I'm thinking. Okay. Of. He was in that one. He was he was all right in that one. He was cool in that one. Um, he was in, uh, uh, what other movies was he in? He was in The Notebook, The Notebook, right? yeah, The yeah. Notebook, that's one. Okay, well, I don't know if this, 
this might count in terms of me being a fraud. I didn't go to see The Notebook, but, you know, I used to hang out with a, a, a group of friends in college, you know, guys and girls. And one time the girls wanted to do a movie night and they wanted to watch The Notebook. So me and all my friends watched with them. So you watched The Notebook with them? I did, yeah. I think it's, so I guess that's does that uh, but I didn't go to the theater like you're going to be going with your pink shoes and your pink suit I don't own anything to go see pink. Barbie I don't own anything pink well, you, it, it's I, not going to happen you're going to you're going to stick out like a sore thumb if you don't go get a it's pink fine with me pink suit man. I'm used to it I, it's fine with me I can't imagine I wear purple what that movie theater is going to be like like is it just going to be half excited girls and half just miserable men or are you going to be like the only guy in the theater it's a good point because like how many how many boyfriends husbands are going to be dragged to this too i like i want to know like i'm i might not be the only one well i don't think many, might not be alone i i think honest and i i don't mean to be to be mean here but I think most men have a little more self-respect than you do, Nick. I don't know. I don't know. I think a lot are going to get dragged because they're, the whole thing is you're going to go see Oppenheimer and then Barbie. That, that's the whole like thing that's being po- it's real popular that's, right now. That's not a thing. They're two different it's crowds. It's a thing. They're it's two, a thing. They're two different crowds entirely. Like I, I don't think many people are going to have the same interest in going to see both those movies. If I'm not misa- mistaken, I think the pre-sale for Barbie actually outweighed Oppenheimer. If I'm not mistaken, I think I saw that this week, which is crazy. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, I, this Barbie movie looks like the dumbest thing that's ever been made. I agree. It really does. I agree. That's why I'm going to take my nap but when you're I gonna, go see it. You're going to go see it. I'm going to fall asleep while it's on, and maybe I'll see like the te- first 10 minutes, last 15, and I'll let you know how it ends. All right. Well, uh, spo- I w- actually, I won't spoil it for the audience. Well, I, I won't do that. I don't think anybody's really going to care anyway. But um, would you go with your significant other to see Barbie? I would not. Nick is going to. Uh, and I want to ask the audience out there as well. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Also, Phillies, can they bank on Bryce Harper being a first baseman post-deadline? I don't think they can. And going back, rewatching the Super Bowl, uh, how do you feel about all these months later? I actually feel better about it. I don't think they got screwed by the refs. I don't think they got screwed by the turf. I honestly don't think the turf had that much to do with it. Um I think they just got beaten by a better team, and as a fan, I can accept that. Let's go to Harold in Seattle. What's up, Harold? Hey, Tom. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Hey, look, I would rather have my hands tied behind my back, stoned for 10 minutes, and beat by Mike Tyson for 10 minutes, and go watch that Barbie movie. I mean, it's Seriously. it's it, it's terrible, Harold. It's, it's terrible that any man would go see that movie. Or if I did go see it, I would sneak in the side door and put a disguise on yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't be caught. You can't be caught going to that movie. You're hey, look, you're man. way too manly of a man for that, Harold. Hey, hey, look about the Eagles. I am losing some respect for them. They complained about San Francisco. I think I read that uh, Dallas Carter said if the turf was good, they would beat them ten out of ten times. That's a sign of weakness. And to me, it's the equivalent of Germany saying we lost World War Two. Because the weather was bad. Yeah, I mean, Harold, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll def- and I do think it's, you know, weak of the Eagles to complain about that kind of stuff as well. But I will say, when look, going back, I listened to the Goddard interview on Pardon My Take. You know, it was more of an offhand comment. It wasn't like something he was he was really pushing. But still, I, I think it is weak that they are continuing to say this. I'd agree. Okay, let me ask you a question. Do 
great teams can play the old Pittsburgh Steelers, the uh, uh, 1985 uh, Chicago Bears. They, look, they let their plan do their talking. And for some eagles that keep talking about that, to me, it's a sign of weakness and uh, Cox. Kelsey, Brandon Graham, and Lane Josh and should get the young guys together and tell them to shut the hell up and let their plan do the talking because if they get in the next Super Bowl, which I think they will, they're going to look for excuses before they get in there. And I'm going to listen to the yeah, rest of no, the show. I, I hear how, and I appreciate the call. And, and to me, more than anything, like they can feel however they want. But it, it's hypocritical. Like, it, it's hypocritical. Not, and not just for the players. I'm also talking about the fans. And I'm probably talking more about the fans. And I, I was arguing this with John Marks when I was on for, with him uh, in for Ike last week. Is for all the crying that we're doing about hating the 49ers and calling the 49ers crybabies, not any different. It's not any different. Like, and I'll actually say this. Like, the 49ers sound like crybabies too, no doubt, but the Eagles do as well. And the Brock Purdy injury had more of an effect on that game than the turf had on the Super Bowl. I mean, there's no doubt. And the Niners, like, I do I, – I think they them crying about it is weak, but there's no doubt. Like, as a fan watching that game, the minute Brock Purdy got hurt, we knew the game was over. Like, yeah, and the Eagles caused the injury. I understand that. I'm not saying that the Niners are right to complain about it. But, I mean, that injury affected that game much more than the turf did affect the Eagles. And, you know, they're both crying. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. I'm Tom Kelly. Everybody on hold. We'll get you in the next segment uh, right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Wednesday night. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Uh, Talking about a number of topics tonight. Um, In the last hour, talking a lot about the Super Bowl, the rewatch, which I did this week. I know many people at the station did last week. Um, I was away, caught up this week, and did a rewatch. And, hey, a lot of my... My impressions, my opinions that I had at the time uh, were kind of reinforced by rewatching the game. I don't look at it and think the Eagles, you know, got screwed over by the turf. I don't look at it and and think, you know, the Bradbury hold was the reason they lost the game. Um, I think they got beat by a better team. If you're upset about the call at the end of the game, I get it. Uh, But, you know, sometimes that happens. There was a play earlier in the game that was more egregious. It was not cold, and it does speak to the inconsistency of the officials. That's been a problem in the NFL for a while. But, I mean, the Eagles had an opportunity to take advantage of a call that wasn't cold, where Bradbury held Juju Smith-Schuster on a third down, uh, no flag is thrown, and on the ensuing possession, Jalen Hurts fumbles and it gets returned for a touchdown. I mean, looking at that game, watching back, and, you know, it sucks to say because Jalen Hurts played great, but the biggest play of the game was that fumble. Like, there's no doubt about it. It completely changed everything. The Eagles were in complete control, um, and that fumble really opened the door for Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes did what he needed to do. I thought Andy coached a a, a great game. I thought Andy made a mistake early, kicking the field goal that Bucker missed. But, I mean, the Eagles lost to a better team, and it at least makes – for me as a fan, it's easier to accept looking at it that way rather than thinking the Eagles, you know, were were, you know, done in by by bad calls or the bad turf. And the turf, watching back, man, I don't think the turf had a massive impact on this game. It was bad. Guys are slipping. But you look at the Eagles defensive line, 
defensive line got handled. I mean, the Chiefs' offensive line was just dominating them up front. That was the reason they didn't get home. That was the reason they didn't get to Patrick Mahomes much more than the turf was. 215-592-9494 if you'd like to get on that. Also, discussing the Phillies and uh, the loss tonight. Phillies lose 5-3. to A um, couple things from the game. Do you know what was going on that Bryce Harper bat in the sixth inning? And did you agree with Bryson Stott trying to take second base? And to set the scene for you, one out, runners on the corner, Alec Bohm at the plate, Bryson Stock gets gunned down trying to steal second. I had no problem with it. You're down two runs. You want to get that guy into scoring position. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate he got thrown out there, but I didn't have a problem with being aggressive. If he's safe there, Rob Thompson, Bryson Stott, they're being lauded for that call. Uh, so he gets thrown out. But did you agree with that? And also, as they head toward the deadline here, I don't understand the Phillies' line of thinking. They, they seem to be really banking on Bryce Harper playing first base, and you can't do that. I mean, we're 13 days out. We still haven't seen it. It doesn't seem like he's going to play uh, first base in the game tomorrow. Maybe he'll play there this weekend against Cleveland, but you need to fill that hole. I mean, I can't watch Derek Hall anymore, Cody Clemens, and... Drew Ellis, they're not major league first baseman. You need to fill that spot in your lineup. You need to go out and get a first baseman. That needs to be priority number one at the deadline. So if you want to get on that, and also our side topic of the night, would you go see Barbie with your significant other? Uh, Nick Earnshaw would. He is actually. We'll be doing that in the coming days. I would not, thankfully. My wife is not um, you know, broaching the subject with me. She's not a big Barbie fan. Uh, but would you do it if you needed to? As Nick said, you need to give to get. You, you need to give to get, Nick, which is – they're your words, not no, mine. No, I know they're my words. They're, they're, they're my words. words and I don't know how you intended them. Listen. But that's what you said. I said it, and I, I'm standing by it. And well, I, you, hope you, I hope you do get. I'll say that. <laughs> there you go. Um, no, listen, like – I, she went and saw my movie. I have to go see hers. It's it's only fair, um, and it's just you know I'm gonna have to you know take one for the team here. Yeah. Well, I I I hope uh, I hope you're rewarded. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, let's go back to the phones. We'll go to Daniel in Newtown Square. What's up, Daniel? Tom, I'm glad you brought up the Super Bowl. Because oh, I haven't yeah? thought about it. I, yeah, because I haven't thought about it. I, in months and not one thought of that game and then it's all just coming back and I'm sitting here listening to you talk about this thing and I'm getting a little worked up and I, I, I mean uh, we could start with the Bradbury call the hold okay what we haven't seen there is the breakdown uh, like split screen analysis of exactly when that flag was flown we know that the hold was really early in the play it occurred and it seemed and it was suggested that after the play was blown dead, Mahomes then kind of was motioning with his hands to the officials like, yo, and then they threw the flag. Like, they're operating at his, at his bidding, which is very reminiscent of the New England days, uh, you know, their dynasty when, when it looked like there's a lot of, you know, the conspiracy videos out there showing the refs favoring uh, New England and specifically tailoring to Brady's wishes. Right, but but Daniel, it doesn't change the fact that a hold was committed on the play. Okay. Like, no, whether the flag's not, thrown or not, it was a hold. Okay. Whoa, whoa. Okay, it does matter. It does matter. Let's break down every holding call 
in a similar situation, you know, like similar play, you know, w- w- when is the flag thrown? If the hold is seen, the flag is thrown right there. You see those flags go up in the air early in the play. If that flag was thrown after the play and that's somehow abnormal, which I guarantee it is, it does matter. Well, I hear you, Daniel, but do, like, do we really want to spend the rest of eternity complaining about a bad call, or do we want to admit that the Eagles got beat by a better team? Because okay, the Chiefs no. outplayed them that game. They did. I mean, okay. we can look at that no. call, but it, no. like, the, the Chiefs outplayed them for the majority of that game, certainly okay. in the second half. Well, no, I'm, I'm not. Look, I'm going to argue that point separately. What I'm saying is we need the information. We need to be able to analyze that play. Split screen, multiple camera angles, Stop here, stop there. Let's take a look at it. You see those breakdowns all the time, all over, all over YouTube. Why haven't we seen it for this play? That there makes me suspicious right, right off the bat. Secondly, if no one's complaining about it, they're just going to keep doing it. It's like that's that's if, they, if every if if whoever's in, running the show over there keeps getting away with it and, and doesn't get any pushback from people like us saying, look, if you don't start making this thing fair. We're not going to. But Daniel, you know, what are you insinuating here? Are you saying you think that game was fixed? Is that what you're saying? You think they wanted the Chiefs to win? Fair. Have you seen the videos where people are where people are saying, "Look, these refs are totally favoring New England over and over and over again." Have you seen all the different calls that went Brady's way and and New England's way to to kind of create that dynasty? But, but, Have you seen those videos, Daniel? That, but but that's and I appreciate the call, man. But again, man, this is this is loser talk. Okay, this is loser talk. The Patriots are not a dynasty because the refs made them a dynasty. Stop it. We sound like losers to continue to go back to this kind of thing and complain about this kind of stuff when the Eagles could have won that game. They had every opportunity to win that game. Is it a close call? Could it have gone either way? Should they call it in that spot? That's debatable. And yeah, we can we can argue whether they should have called it in that spot and I think that that's a legitimate conversation to be had but let's not do this where we're going and we're saying well the refs clearly favored one side over another because I don't believe that to be true like I think the officiating at times just isn't very good I don't think it's that they favor one side over another I don't think that they wanted the Chiefs to win that game and they wanted the Eagles to lose that game I just don't believe that to be true. And, like, we can look back at the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl and we can zero in on calls during that game. And, you know, Daniel kind of indicated that, oh, well, the refs wanted the Patriots to be a dynasty. Like, they contributed to the Patriots being a dynasty. I mean, you look at that Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl, the Corey Clement catch was a very close call that was ruled in the Eagles' favor. Like, I don't think we looked at that game and, you know, the refs were biased toward either side. Like, let's we, we got to stop doing this. Like, can we just admit that the Chiefs were better that day and that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are great? And I think that's a big part of it as well. I really do think that is a, an aspect of this that a lot of people don't like and don't want to admit is that Andy Reid is a great coach, and Andy Reid beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And the Chiefs were a better team that day. We can look at the other stuff. We can say it was a factor. We can debate whether the call should have been made. We can debate whether the turf should have been better. But in the end, the Chiefs were the better team. That's why the Eagles lost the Super Bowl. And we sound just like the 49ers fans. Like, there's no difference. Like, we can call, call them crybabies. 
We can call them losers all we want, but what we are doing with the Super Bowl is no different. It's no different than what they're doing with the Brock Purdy thing. Let's go to Gary in Whitehall. What's up, Gary? Hey, Tom. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Hey, um, I got Eagles at Philly's point. I'm going to go with the Eagles first. Um, they were definitely outcoached. Um, the play that I think really cost them the game was the play before Jalen Hurts' his fumble. It was third and one. And say Amalo jumped offside. Yeah, that was a but killer, man. Six. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Quez Watkins drop, um, the poor punt, the poor punt re- uh, coverage. Um, yeah, you could say something about the officials because, you know, that, that holding call was a holding call, but you didn't call it all game. I mean, so I'm not going to – it was a definite hold. Uh, but uh, plain and simple, they got out coached. Andy Reid schooled Nick Sirianni, plain and simple. I don't think the Chiefs outplayed him. Maybe if, if maybe if you say outplayed him correctly, because the Chiefs didn't make the mistakes. So that's that's Riley. But I think it's that Sam Hall false start. So yeah, and and the the thing about that Gary that's frustrating is that you know that was the, they were going to do a quarterback sneak that's a play the Eagles ran all year i mean ran it perfectly and say Amalu just jumped at a really inopportune time right cuz like you said the turf I, i'm tired of hearing about the turf because both teams played on the same field and so i don't want to hear anything about the turf i mean your professionals learn to adjust you got you got equipment managers that should take care of that and uh, they just failed not to do it i mean Plain and simple. Um, Phillies-wise, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's an idiotic move to put Harper at first. I I, I appreciate his, his wanting to, to do that for the team. I don't think it's going to work unless you get somebody adequate enough to play left field. And I don't want Juan Soto. That's out of the question. Um, I, I went at it on the morning show this morning with, with that, with uh, Seltzer. Uh, I'm not, I wasn't going to give up Painter for Soto. There's no way. I'll give up Painter for Goldschmidt to, to get a bona fide 300 career hitter and a, and a, a gold glove first baseman. Yeah, no, I, I hear you, Gary, and I appreciate the call, man. And, and you know, the painter thing's interesting. We'll get into that uh, a little more later on, but how's this going to affect his trade value? Now, we talked to Tim Kelly of Phillies Nation earlier. Tim seemed to, to believe that, you know, the Phillies aren't going to trade painter, wouldn't really consider that. I think you're going to have to consider it. I mean, if you really want to upgrade this team, that's, that's the big prospect of value that you have. But – this could certainly hurt his value on the market. Now, I'm not sure how much because if you're trading him to a team, they're they're kind of probably looking to rebuild a little bit anyway. Uh, but I think it's got to affect his market at least a little bit, and it affects his value to the Phillies as well. You know, considering the fact that he will not be available next year, um, you know that's 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 another thing that needs to be taken into account, um, and it's going to be interesting to see if if and how much that would affect the Phillies' willingness uh, to, to move on from, from Painter and, and to trade him at the deadline if they can find a difference-making piece. Uh, let's go to Chris in Delaware. What's up, Chris? Hey, hope you guys are doing well. Good to hear you guys. Good to uh, be able to come on and talk. Appreciate it, man. What's going on? 
Um, you know, today was today we lost. You know, but sometimes you look at losses and you find the wins in the losses. Because if I sit here and I start moaning and groaning about the Phillies, I'm going to be like everyone else that calls, and I'm just going to be a Debbie Downer. So I'm not, I'm going to look at some victories today. Um, to be completely honest, giving up five hits for who we – I mean five runs for who we had pitching um, was not a catastrophe. I mean, the game could have got blown out of proportion with Sanchez up there um, and then some other guys coming out of the bullpen. Um, I feel that, in all honesty, with who we had on the mound and who we had to put up on the mound as the game went on, five runs is not bad. Yeah, I thought, Chris, I mean, the pitching staff, if if – if Christopher Sanchez is going to go five innings and give up three, you'll take that most of the time. I mean, you're, you're in a 3-3 tie game after five. This game was really on the offense, and the fact the offense, they just they just didn't come up with the big hits when they needed them in this game. And to be completely honest, um, looking at Kyle Schwarber right now, he had a four-game streak of a home run in each game. Um, most of those games, that was his only hit. And then today he has one hit that gets in two RBIs. Um, while we do complain about Schwarber a lot because his average sucks and his defense does too, if he can keep this up of this – so right now he's on a five-game streak of getting us RBIs and hits. Um, if he can just keep this up and keep that at least slightly consistent offensive hitting, um, I mean, that's, that, that's a recipe for success at your leadoff position. Um, and then also just looking at it, we really need to start talking about JT Turner and the, I mean those two more because Turner isn't performing as he should on offense. Defensively, he's doing fine, and the same with JT. He's not performing as he should on offense. Defense, he's doing fine. But we need more offense out of those guys. And real quick on that stop note that you put out. Um, you have him steal there. I thought it was a great decision. You know, you have a guy on first and third. You need a guy on second and third to get a run in with Boehm up hitting. The next guy you have up is Marsh, and the guy after him is Sosa. I would have trusted Marsh in that situation to maybe get a single, but if we have to go to Sosa to get the lead, I wouldn't trust it. So in that case, you go, hey, you know what? Stop, steal second. Boehm hits him in. We don't even have to deal with Sosa. Um, that's just that's not a risk that I would take having Sosa be someone giving us the lead. Yeah, no, I hear you, Chris, and I appreciate the call. And yeah, I mean, it's a good point. You look at the way it's set up. Boom is up uh, at the plate. Then Marsh would have been up next, and then Mundo Sosa. And I just don't have a problem with it. If you're just joining us, you didn't see the game. Um, Phillies are down 5-3 in the ninth. Runners on the corners with one out. And uh, Bryson Stott tries to steal second base. He gets a good jump. It's a perfect throw by William Contreras, and he's thrown out. Um, and, you know, there was some criticism after the game of, of whether Stott should have been stealing there. But I don't have a problem with it. I mean, you're down two runs. Getting that guy into scoring position is a huge deal. I mean, first off, you know, obviously you get him into scoring position. A single probably ties the game. You also eliminate the risk of a double play, which is, you know, a, a certainly a risk in that spot. And it's not like you had a slow runner on first base. Bryson Stott's one of your best base runners. He's one of your best base stealers. He got a good jump. Contreras made a great throw. So we can be critical of it if we want to. I think it's a little um, – I think it's a little – 
hindsight's twenty twenty type of thing. As you look back, if you're critical of that decision, I thought it was a good move. I thought it was a good aggressive decision. Obviously, didn't work out. Uh, but when you're down two runs, you got to take risks like that, and that's why the Brewers getting that insurance run in the top of the ninth uh, that was a really big deal and unfortunately the Phils allowed them to do that because it made them play the, the bottom half a uh, much different way than they would have uh, had they only needed to, to get one run tie that game. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in 215-592-9494 uh, do you think the Eagles got screwed in the Super Bowl? Um, because I, I am just so tired of this. I really am. I, I think we sound like losers I think it's embarrassing, and I think it's hypocritical. For as much as we mock San Francisco fans and, and the 49ers players, I don't see what the Eagles are doing with the turf, with the flag, a whole lot different at all. It's really not. Like, yeah, the Niners are crying because they lost their quarterback. You should have had a better backup quarterback. The Eagles and, and the fans were crying about the turf and the flag. Should have played a better game. The Eagles had opportunities to win. There were missed calls in that game that went in the Eagles' favor. It wasn't just that hold. The, the idea that there was a conspiracy for the Chiefs to win that game is just ridiculous, and it's embarrassing, and it's unbecoming of the fan base. So if you want to get on that, you're welcome to. Phillies at the deadline. Can Bryce Harper play first base? Is that something they should rely on? I don't think it is. And when we get back, I also wanted to get into Andrew Painter a little bit. Uh, The bad news coming from uh, Wednesday that will be shut down and how this could affect the Phillies at the trade deadline and whether it makes it more or less likely that Painter gets traded. So we'll get to that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly with Deal 2 Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you until 2 o'clock tonight. If you want to get in 215-592-9494. I look over and I look through the producers uh, into the producer studio right now. And Nick Earnshaw is still here. Nick, why, why are you still who, – who is supposed to relieve you at midnight tonight? Oh, you know, I, I do a show with him uh, called The Shift. Okay. Mr. Rojas, Mr. Cookie Francisco where, where, Rojas. Oh, Francisco. So where can we find your show, by the way? Oh, it's on uh, Spotify, YouTube – Apple Music, all, all, all the places you get your podcast. Okay, so where's that 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 uh, slacker Francisco? Where's he at? <laughs> you know, he, he might have been snoozing a little bit uh, uh, before he came in today. Okay, but you got a hold of him. He's got, on his we got a hold of him. You got a hold of him. He, he might have overslept a little bit. You know, the alarm didn't go off. It's happened before. It's happened to me before. What a slacker! What a, you're way much more forgiving than I am. Um, you know, but Francisco apparently he's on his way. Believe it when I see it. He's what a route. slacker that guy is. He's in route. You know, I'll be here. I'll be here all night if I have to be. It's all right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you hanging around, uh, Nick. Oh, no worries. Yeah. Um, but Francisco will be in a little Pulling later. a Joe to camera on us. That's well, what he's doing. D- has the camera done this recently? I don't know if he's done it recently, but I know he's done it before. They, they made fun of him on the morning show for it. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, it, now since he's been on the morning show or when, when he was doing the midday show? I think show? the midday show. Yeah, I remember one time. Yeah, I think one time when the midday show, he, he did it. Yeah, so now now it's Francisco Rojas and Joe DeCamera. Who's going to have the over or under now on, uh, on missing their alarm? It happens, man. And one time, like, it, it happened to me, and I got – pretty lucky like because before I, I was hosting majority of the time I used to do remotes uh for the station and we used to broadcast every Sunday from the broadcast booth down in the concourse like we do now same, right same thing um and it was Rob Cherry and Dan Klecko and the show started 10 a.m and I woke up and it was 9 32 
and I'm like, oh my god, like I'm gonna be late. Like I lived in University City at the time, okay, so I could get down there. But typically, you know, I like to get there like at least an hour early. Like the way it's set up down there, I don't need to do any setup that day. I just need to go, kind of make sure everything's turned right. on and ready to go. But uh, I woke up at 9.32, I rushed out, I get down there at 9.50, Dan and and Rob are just standing outside the booth, and uh, they didn't have the key to get in, so they needed to get there. I had the key, so thankfully I got there in time, we got on the air on time, but that was the closest I got to, to oversleeping. I got lucky I woke up when I did. I don't know if I've ever overslept. I don't think I've ever o- overslept. Now, I've gotten stuck in traffic before. That's happened to me. Well, that happened. Where, like, there was an accident or something, and, and I got stuck in that for a, a long time. That's happened before. But I don't think I've ever overslept. I, I don't think that's ever happened to me. Yeah, last week, I was coming back from, from the shore when I was uh, on last Monday afternoon with John Marks. I got in an accident. On my way back oh, from the shore. What? Yeah, I got. I didn't even hear about this. Well, I, I'm glad you're okay. I got re- rear-ended on Route 42. Ah, uh, everything's all right. 42 is the worst. A little bit of a little bit of damage to the back of the car, but I get it taken. It's just a little fender bender kind yep. of thing in traffic. I wasn't at fault. I didn't get injured, so. Yeah, so, so you'll win, basically. So, you'll win. You're the winner here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so all, all good. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, talking about the Phils, uh, should they bank on Bryce Harper playing first base? I don't think that's something they can rely on at this point. Also, the Eagles and the Super Bowl. Um, I think we need to stop crying. The Eagles lost to a better team. It's really that simple. And also, uh, do you have any interest in uh, – well, not do you have any interest, because I know the answer is people don't have interest in the Barbie movie. But would you go with your significant other? Um, I absolutely would not. And I, I've lost a little respect for you, Nick. I've lost a little respect for you that you're going to this movie. Listen, it's only fair. It's, it's only fair. I, I drug her to see Air a few months ago. The whole Jordan get up. You know, I, I, I get it. I but get it. A, it's fair. But that's a movie that that maybe maybe she'd like. She she liked it, but like I, now I now whenever I because I, I think it's like a top five movie of all time. Like that that movie was really? just absolutely oh it was fantastic. Okay. It, I thought it was fantastic. Um, but I, I'm not allowed to watch it like a rerun of it anymore. Like it's like oh, it's it's banned now basically. Why? Because she doesn't want to watch it anymore. Because I've overplayed it apparently. Well, can't you can't you guys watch things like apart from each other? Yeah, we do. We okay. do. Oh, she watches a ton of stuff without without me. Because my, my wife and I, we don't watch any of the same stuff. Really? Like, no. Not, n- very, very little. Like, she has her shows. She watches all those, like, you know, The Housewives and, uh, you know, Below Deck, Southern Charm. I don't right. know if any of these shows. No, I know. Well, yeah, I know them. Some of them, you know, I'll keep an eye on. They're fine. The, the Housewives I can't stand. But I'll watch, like, the game on my computer or something while while she's watching the show. Well, she, she'll watch Seinfeld with me. She'll watch Seinfeld. I'll watch New Girl. Friends, another one. Oh, another one that you enjoy. You Friends. Have bad, well, part of this is you have bad taste. I have fantastic. Fantastic taste. No. Fantastic taste. And you hate New Girl, too? I've never seen it. It's good. I'm it's not, good. I, I enjoy it. I'm not going to watch it. That one's pretty funny. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Well, I, I, I it's, it doesn't, I, it's not a show I'm going to give a chance to. So. All right. I've, I've, I've made her watch Seinfeld, so there's that. That too. Maybe, well, maybe all the, great. I know Seinfeld's great, but she yeah. had never seen it until me. So you know, I maybe that that's like my punishment. I have to go see Barbie now because I made her watch Seinfeld. Well, she doesn't mind Seinfeld. Well, though. all right. Well, let me know how Barbie is. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Let's go to Mary. What's up, Mary? Hello, Tom. How are you? Good. How are you? I have listened to this station since before Angelo was here. 
So first of all, I'm a Saints fan, so I have no dog in the fight with the Super Bowl. The Eagles did not get screwed. And I did not realize that the first time I'd ever call your station would be to defend Barbie. Oh, no. Um, You're defending Barbie, Mary? I'm defending. Hold on. I just want to make sure that people understand. This is not a Mattel fluff piece. What it's about is the evolution of Barbie, how she came to be. You know, this big-breasted woman that everybody thought was really cool in the 40s. And now she's evolved into a different kind of woman. She's evolved into uh, a school teacher, an astronaut. She's not so worried about beauty anymore. It's about the evolution of her and how she becomes a different woman. But the key to the movie is how does Ken now have to relate to the new Barbie? So... I know it still sounds like a bad movie, and I understand that, but if you're going to criticize it, make sure you know what to criticize. Okay, well, that's fair enough, Mary, (laughs) and I'll say this. like The way you just described it, that it has a deeper meaning and that there's more to it than meets the eye, I'm not going to go see it, but my interest is, is a little more than it was previously. Well, they use humor. They use poignancy. There are actors that you have heard from. Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live is in it. America Ferreira. So it's not just a movie for little girls to go look at Barbie. If it's anything, it's for a girl dad or it's for a teenage girl who wants to be empowered. It's for women like me who look back and go, my God, how did I ever buy that doll? 40 years ago. So I'm just defending Barbie. I hope the men who go see it enjoy it and understand there's a little more there than just the doll. All right. Well, well, I, I appreciate that, Mary. Um, okay. And, yeah. And thank you. Thank you for explaining it a little better. I, I feel like I have a better understanding now. Well, Tom, just watch the clips and okay. you'll know exactly what it is. Okay. I'll, I, I will go. And I appreciate it, Mary. Thanks for the call. I appreciate your time. Yeah, Bye-bye. Take it easy. I'll, 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 maybe I'll watch a preview. Now, that is the best. Like that, That's been way better than you trying to convince me all night. I yeah. didn't convince you one bit to well, go yeah, watch that's, it. That's I haven't tried to convince you at all. I'm just saying I, I have to go. Right. Well. Do you say are you a little more excited now after Mary's, um, you know, kind of kind of selling of it to us? Mary explained it well. I thought it was a great call. Um, I, it's more of a snoozer to me now. I just it's I don't more care. of a snoozer. I don't care. I don't. You wanted see the it. super. You wanted the superficial aspect. No, of I, I don't want to see it. That's the problem. I just don't care. Well, I don't care enough. Why can you not just tell your girlfriend you don't want to go? I've tried. I've tried. What do you mean you've tried? tried? You're not it's, married, it's, Nick. It's, it's, you, I've you tried. Can, you can you can tell her you don't want to go. You 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 gotta have you you need to stand up for yourself right now, or else this is going to be your relationship forever. Listen, this is going to be what happens forever if you do not stand up for yourself right now and you say, Sarah, I love you, but I am not going to see Barbie. Listen, you need to do it. Listen, it's if I'm going to have to go and we're going to see Oppenheimer in the same day, this is the whole plan and the idea of it. Fine. I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll take one for the team. I'll watch it. If I'm reclining in a chair, I'll be okay. I'll fall asleep. I've fallen asleep to plenty of movies. That's just what's going to happen. Well, I think, and I'll have popcorn uh, and, and food. So. I think, you know, with without being too dramatic here, I think your life's over. 
I think your life is over. Like you were, if you go see this movie, it will set the tone for the rest of your life. Yeah, but the tone's already been set. We're we're fine. Like I, it's like I, she went to see me uh, the, with the air thing, and she's seen my bad movies and my annoying shows that I want to watch. It it's fine. It's, it sounds like she through. calls the shots in eh, this relationship. I don't know if she calls the shots, no. but you know, I I might have to go see this. Okay. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. It's trending in that direction. It's trending in the direction I'd say it's about 75 25 right now well that's not good that is not good i never said like, it was good i mean like that that it gets more like that when you the more you're together the 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 longer you're together and and once you get married certainly and once you have kids as, as i can attest to it's true then you kind of then you're just kind of enslaved to your kids but like 75 you're a young man nick like you're too young for 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 all the hand to not be on your side. Listen, I it's it's fine. It's it's a movie. It's you know uh, whatever. I'll I'll be fine. I'll sleep through it. Maybe I'll enjoy. Maybe I'll even enjoy it. Who knows? It's a tone setter. That's all I'm saying. It's a tone setter. Uh, let's go to Steve in Drexel Hill. What's up, Steve? Hey Tom, how you doing? Good man. How are you? And Francisco. <laughs> uh, He's on his way. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Oh, good. Uh, one question, uh, or not one question, one comment. Jonathan Gannon, do uh, you think he was distracted by being uh, recruited by the Arizona Cardinals and maybe the game plan for the Super Bowl wasn't that great, in that, especially in that second half? Yeah, Steve, I know that's something people have talked about. I mean, I personally don't think it's that big of a deal. Now, I know that technically the Cardinals tampered in – you know, interviewing Gat or, or, you know, to setting up an interview for Gannon prior to that game, but it's more like just like a a rules thing because if 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 they had done it like a week earlier, then it would have been totally fine. Like Shane Steichen had interviewed with the Colts prior to the Super Bowl as well. It was just timed differently, so I don't know. I think Gannon was preparing as if you know he. Uh, was all in on the game. I just thought the Chiefs were better. I, I don't think it had that big of an impact. I do think the turf did come into play a little bit, but I think it was, I I thought it was more maybe Jonathan Gannon not Jonathan Gannon not being uh, ready. But eh, who knows? Oh, yeah. and uh, Ryan Gosling and the nice guys. Ryan got in the nice guys. You said yeah. Yeah, okay. Ryan Gosling and the nice guys. Never liked never liked them before that until I saw that movie. Then I was a big fan. Okay, I got you, Steven. I appreciate the call. I've never seen that movie. Bart, who had tweeted us earlier, said, yeah, the nice guys and uh, crazy stupid love. I don't know. I, don't know I feel like is. I've seen bits and pieces of that just on like TV before. That sounds like a movie you'd watch. With, eh, with, not really. With your girlfriend. <laughs> um, but. Trust me, I give my way a ton with the movies. Okay. Yeah, I, I do. All right. So doesn't, it's like doesn't sound like it's it. like all right. I'll go. I'll go watch your your Barbie. Okay. You. Well, fair enough. I think you're trying to spin this to to make it seem better than it's it not is. a spin. It's it's just how it is. All right. Fair enough. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, um, but yeah, as, as uh, the last caller was asking there about Gannon, I don't think the Jonathan Gannon thing was that big of a deal. I think certainly one of the things that stood out looking back at that game is in the second half, Andy outcoached him. There's no doubt about that. But even with that, like I don't look at that and say like I, in general, I I I was a bigger defender 
of Gannon than most people. Um, I don't think he was great. He had a lot of talent, but I don't think Jonathan Gannon did a terrible job. I mean, this team, you're not a, a as good a defense as the Eagles were without a competent coordinator. So I think Gannon was pretty good throughout the course of the year. But yeah, Andy outcoached him in that game. And to me, that's much more of a byproduct of Andy Reid's a great coach. And I think that's what we need to admit. Andy Reid's a great coach. He made the adjustments at halftime. He outcoached Jonathan Gannon. And, uh, you know, that to me is by far the biggest reason why the game turned out the way it did. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, I'm Tom Kelly. When we get back, we will get to the Andrew Painter stuff um, and how this affects the Phil's thinking at the deadline. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, and another day, another failure uh, during the break. I was trying to complete the Immaculate Grid, and I failed once again. I mean, I... Again? It, it, I, when you do this, do you actually do you do you look up anything or do you just do it? All I have like on occasion, but oh, like we not that's cheating, right? Eh, yeah, but like not usually, not usually. Okay, well, yeah, I, I first guess I had Barry Barry Bonds over three hundred. Apparently not. Well, I didn't want to spoil it for you. So you were so wrong. You yeah. were just completely wrong. Yeah. Was, Again. So, yep. <laughs> I, I can never, I think these things are impossible. And I don't know, like, if people look things up, like, if you can do research during it, or do you just need to know this stuff off the top of your well, head? Well, some of them, like, you should really know off the top of your head. Like, boom, all right, this guy played for these two teams. You, you should know that. Well, like today, one of the one of the teams, the Royals. Who knows a Royal? Seriously. I feel like, uh, I, haven't, I've, I haven't watched more than, Five Royals games in my entire life. See, I'm going to do it when I wake up in the morning because I'll be more refreshed. I'll be good to go. And then I'll, like, I'll have breakfast. I'll have some brain food in me. Okay. Well, I, I lost again, and uh, the closest I got was eight of nine the other day, and I don't think I'm ever going to be able to want com- to complete uh, one of these. Groups. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll never get there. Uh, I don't Just think Stone I Cold Loser at Immaculate e- Grid. Exactly. <laughs> that, that story of my life. Loser in Immaculate Grid. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, but talking about a number of things tonight, talking about the fills um, and, you know, the – the first base situation, whether they can rely on Bryce Harper being a first baseman, I just think they've missed their window on this. Also, the Super Bowl, and why I think Eagles fans need to stop crying, man. They lost to a better team, rewatched it, was looking to see how much the turf really played an impact. And it on the rewatch, I think it was less impactful than it was the first time around. It really didn't make that big of a deal. And you look at the defensive line in that game, and the Eagles' defensive line can say whatever they want about you know the turf being a factor they got handled up front like if you watch the lines you watch what happened up front in that game the Chiefs offensive line dominated and that was a massive factor here but as we look back to the Phillies and we look ahead to the trade deadline the big story really to come out of Citizens Bank on Wednesday was the news about Andrew Painter and it's really disappointing they're going to have to shut him down. He's going to get Tommy John surgery. Here was what Dave Dombrowski had to say uh, in regards to Painter and the injury. Well, for, I first of all, feel for him tremendously. He's a tremendous young talent um, and right on the verge of being a big league pitcher. But 
Normally, these surgeries, the guys, the players come back and they do well for themselves. He's still very young. He'll have a long future ahead of himself. Um, of course, it hurts the organization, hurts the team, because I think he would have been contributing for us, and I think he could have contributed very well. Um, but um, more importantly for him, just feel for him at this point. But again, a youngster, he's 20 years old, just turned 20. Um, you start talking about missing next year and coming back for 25 well you're 21 22 years old at that time and even if there's a little bit of time delay as far as getting back building his stuff back up which sometimes happen you're talking about a very young man that has a long future ahead of him and i mean you look at this situation it does it, it sucks man like it, it, it's disappointing for painter uh, obviously, a lot of expectations coming into this year. Disappointing for the Phillies, the fact that he's not going to be able to pitch, obviously, the rest of this year or next year. And I always kind of thought that that the way the Phillies organization and the way the fan base was relying on him to play a massive role was somewhat unrealistic. Like, there's a reason why 19-year-olds, guys in their young 20s, aren't really coming up making significant impacts, especially pitchers. It's not easy to do. Like, it's difficult to make an impact at such an early stage of his career. And ultimately, I think Andrew Painter's going to be fine. Tommy John is not what it used to be. You see guys come back from this and, and be fine all the time. And... You know, I'm not going to criticize the Phillies for not doing this sooner. I know that was out there on Wednesday about should they have just gotten this done back in spring training. I don't think that's a fair criticism. You know, we talked to Tim Kelly earlier. He said the doctor uh, had advised they wait and see if it got better. Scott Boris is Andrew Painter's agent. So I guarantee you beyond any doubt that Scott Boris had a massive impact as well into how this thing was handled, and it seemed like everybody's on the same page, that they wanted to see if rest and rehab would would fix the issue. It didn't. And it's a tough situation to judge, and now he's going to get the surgery. But I absolutely think that the Phillies should be more willing to deal Andrew Painter now uh, after this injury and now that he's getting Tommy John. And I want to know from you, do you think the Phillies should be more willing to trade Andrew Painter now uh, than before they knew about this injury? And if you want to get in, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. And I'd be much more willing to trade him, and not because I'm worried about the injury moving forward. Like like I said, I'm not really worried about Andrew Painter getting Tommy John and Andrew Painter recovering from this injury. Ultimately, I think he's going to be fine. Like, he's going to be all right. Guys come back from this all the time. But with this team, with where the Phillies are, their window is now. And now you're not going to have Andrew Painter till at the very earliest 2025. He's not going to help you until the 2025 season. You're a team that is looking to win the World Series right now, like this year, next year. This is your window. And if you're not going to see him until at least, you know, April of 2025, it only increases my urgency to use him as a chip in a trade. And it's not that I don't think he's going to be a good pitcher that will recover from this injury. I do, and I still think he's got a very bright career ahead of him. And I still think he'll have similar value on the market to acquiring teams. Because any team that is trading for a guy like Andrew Painter, they're looking to rebuild a little bit. Like, if you're trading him to a team, you're not trading him to a contender. You are a contender. You're looking to win now. The teams that are looking to acquire him, they're looking to acquire 
talent in their farm system. He has more value to the team you'd be trading him to than he has to you right now. And to me, like this should make it more likely that the Phillies trade Andrew Painter at the deadline. Because they need to improve this team. They need to improve this team now. And what's disappointing about it, like maybe you won't have the exact same value you would have had before. I still think it's going to be similar because, again, this is not the type of injury that is devastating. This is not the type of injury that is, you know, going to ruin him for his career. But he doesn't have the same value to the Phillies that he would have had otherwise and that he has to an acquiring team. So if the Phillies can get an impact player, I'd absolutely trade Andrew Painter and I'd like to get your take on it. 215-592-9494. Would you trade Andrew Painter if you can get an impact bat? And does this make it more likely that he is traded? I, I think it is. I think the Phillies now would be much more open to moving him, considering the fact he can't contribute next year, and this is a team that needs to win now. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, when we get back, I see David's on the line. We'll talk to David um, and a lot of other stuff I still want to get to, including a former Eagle, an Eagle who was on the Super Bowl team last year, who had some very – nasty things to say about uh, the city and the fans of Philadelphia. So we'll get to that coming up next as well. I'm Tom Kelly with you till two sports radio, 94 WIP sports radio, 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for another hour here, taking you until 2 AM. I need to thank Nick Earnshaw for producing the first three hours of the show. And my, if my eyes are not deceiving me here now taking over his partner in crime, Francisco Rojas, what 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 happened, Francisco? You're supposed to be we, here an hour ago. What what happened? We did this on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did yeah, we, this on purpose. Yeah, uh, no, I it's I overslept. Okay, uh, I, I'm I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry to Nick. This is my apology speech. I'm very sorry to TK. <laughs> very sorry to all the listeners that were waiting for me. Uh, I know it's your show, TK, but you, you know. don't have to be. You don't have to be sorry to me. I mean, it's all good. Yeah. No, uh, I am though, because yeah. uh, I care about your well-being. Because I know you were excited for me to be here. Oh, I was th- yeah, so, thrilled, thrilled right. you're here. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. No, but it was funny because I I went out to to run to the bathroom at like 11:55, and Nick asked, he's like, "Do you see Francisco?" I'm like, no, I haven't seen him. Is he in tonight? He said, "Yeah," and he's and you you know Nick. Nick's got you know a very protective spirit about him so he's like oh i hope francisco's okay and i said i'm like i'm sure he's fine i'm sure he overslept right you know? and i did yeah. i did this is uh yeah. it happens man i'm embarrassed i'm There's embarrassed no need for, to be embarrassed i'm embarrassed for the organization <laughs> i'm embarrassed for yeah I'm well at least it didn't happen all night you know that right, right. that would have been the worst thing because I, I and i told a story earlier when i overslept and this it wasn't my wife oversleeping but um you want to hear a story uh, that, that's pretty pretty bad here. Is one night back at our old studios at Fourth and Market, I was doing an update shift. We used to have the sports updates. I'd do them, and you know, you you you, I'd do them to like live till like midnight, and then record some, and they'd be recorded up until Rhea came in for the morning show, and they'd you know run twice an hour. So. I leave around midnight, walk home. We used to walk home to my apartment. It was like 20 minutes away. So I go home and I realize that I don't have my keys. Like my wife, we were coming from a different function. She uh, dropped me off that night and obviously had the keys of the car. So I didn't have my keys. I realize that once I get to my front door to my apartment, 
Couldn't get in my apartment building. Try calling my wife. She doesn't answer the phone. And I text her. And she doesn't answer the phone. And, you know, uh, she slept all night. After about an hour or, or a half hour, I'm like, you know what? I might as well just go back to the studio. I can't be standing outside my apartment in Center City by myself all night. Not really the safest thing. So I go back to the station. And I end up spending the whole night with Mike Angelina and Big Daddy because I couldn't get a hold of my wife. She runs down at like 7 a.m. seeing like 80 missed calls. Uh, after the fact that I couldn't get in. So that was not not the same kind of situation, but it would have been really bad if we couldn't reach you and you just slept through the night. At least right. you woke I, up. I had I had almost eighty missed calls from you and Nick. It was ooh. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I apologize. Yeah, so it's all right. It's all good, Francisco. We forgive Nick Nick forgives you. I forgive you on Nick's behalf. I, I told I told Nick because we're going to Cooperstown this weekend. Yeah, you guys so. are yeah, you guys are going on a trip together this weekend. We are. Right? Yeah, nice. so I told him the first hundred dollars worth of baseball cards that he wants to get there, or you know, the his first couple beers, yeah. all on me. Yeah, when you guys go out to the bar up there in Cooperstown, you, you got the first the first few rounds. Yeah, so you know and that can make up. I know. I'm, I just I'm a little embarrassed. That's well, it's all right, and I know the worst part is that I mean I know it's really you just didn't want to work with me. That, that, I, right. I get that. Thank you yeah. for saying it for me. Yeah. Thank you. I, mean, we all, I, I didn't, didn't want to say that, but. You we know. all know what's really going on here. Right. And I feel bad for Nick that he had to stay around work for me, work with me I, for I another feel, hour. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you said, you basically said it for me. Yeah. I, I feel even worse. It's, it's, you know? yeah, I get it. 215 uh, if you want to get in. Um, but uh, talking about the Phils, uh, talking about Barbie tonight, that's one thing we got into with Nick. Nick's girlfriend is taking him to go see Barbie. I think he needs to put his foot down. I wouldn't go with my wife to go see Barbie. What? I, you definitely should go. What do you mean do you, he should go? What do you mean you should? Of course you go. If your wife asks you to go see a movie like that, you go. No. It's not you like you're don't. going to see it by yourself. Yeah, I, I, have go, I go to the what? movies by myself. Do you really? I went, no, yeah, I've I mean, gone and seen multiple movies. I went and saw one of the Avengers movies by myself. Went and saw the Joker movie. Yeah, by no, no, no. I'm not. I'm honestly, I'm not. I'm not knocking that. I'm, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be knocking you going to see Barbie by yourself. Well, that would be weird. Yeah, but like you're going to see this with your wife. Your wife wants to go, and you're going to go with your wife. That's different. No, I'll tell you. A friend of mine asked. She, she's a girl. Um, she, she asked if I wanted to go. I was like, Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. Right. <laughs> That's different. That's like a friend. Yeah. Like I could say no. Like it's your wife. That's Nick's girlfriend. You're going to say yes. You can still say no. You can, but like, you shouldn't. And, and uh, as I said to. Nick, he's setting the tone for the rest of his life. Like, if he g- gives in to go to this movie, he's done. He like he but, he's given in. Uh, he's the lost. Guy, he's he, lost the war. You guys are the ones in relationships. Like, you got to make sacrifices, right? There's a limit to the sacrifices. There's a limit to the sacrifice. Nick Nick is too young to be making these kind of sacrifices. Well, no, you and, said you got to set the tone, right? You got to set the tone for the amount of sacrifices that you're going to make for and, the rest of your life. You got to set the tone that there's a line that is not crossed. And to it, me, Barbie is that line. Like Barbie is the line that I am not crossing. I'll make sacrifices. I'll do some things for my significant other. I ain't going to go see that movie. It's not going to happen. It's not going to go. good, too. You're probably missing out. Well, I, I doubt it. Okay? You ever I, seen, I doubt, you ever I seen Barbie in, uh, what was it? Was it Toy Story 2? Toy Story? Remember yeah. Barbie? Yeah. Remember? She was great. Didn't Toy Story 4. 
Barbie's Toy tremendous. Story, I, I, I never saw Toy Story. I, I'm a master of the Toy Story movies now. Uh, my son went through a Toy Story phase when that was all he wanted to watch. So I'm an expert on all the Toy Stories. And he likes Barbie, so, you know, that's fine. But uh, I'm not going to go see it. And I, I, think I, I think you're making a well, – you, you keep using the word massive, I think. You're making a massive mistake yeah. by not going to see it. Well, I, I disagree. Um, That's but, all you got? Yeah, you yeah I, I, I mean, I don't know what to say. I, I'm not going to go – I don't have any interest it's in seeing It's just Barbie. a movie. Yeah, well, you just go see the movie. You said you're not going to see yeah, it. Yeah, that's different because I the, the girl that asked me is just a friend. My it's wife different. doesn't. My wife doesn't want to go see it. All right, like so. What if what if there's something that you want to go do now and in, in, in the future with your wife? Like, oh, hey, uh, what's it? Teresa, right? Yes. Okay, sorry, I didn't want to nice, mention anyone there. So, so uh, yeah, Teresa, well, well, let's go to Cooperstown. In like you know, a couple of months. I want to do what Nick and Fran are doing this weekend. I don't like the, your this, your impression of me. That's not even it's, it's not even insulting. impression. This, I just imp- I, I yeah. do an impersonation. Universe. Personal impersonation of everybody. You okay? do that so is not, the impersonation you do of everybody. It's not specific yeah. to you. Okay, I know not everything's about you, Tom. Okay, so fair enough. So, like, what if you what if you say, "Hey, I want to go to Cooperstown this weekend," and uh, you know, and, and maybe you go see Barbie. She goes to Cooperstown with you. It's a trade off. Well, and, if I'm uh, no, and no offense, but if I'm going to Cooperstown, I you know I don't know if I'd really want to go with my wife. I'd probably want to go with my friends, and she'd be fine with that. You know, yeah, but I'm just saying it's the principle of you going to the movies with her, and then she goes to Cooper. I know what you're saying, right? But what? But, okay, I'm trying to think. Argue no, me I, I know. I know yeah, what you're yeah, saying. I know you know what I'm saying. Yeah, there are certain there are certain sacrifices you make in a relationship. I agree with that, but I just I wouldn't go see that movie. I don't think Nick should. He clearly doesn't want to go. He said he doesn't want to go. He said he he even said he's being the the word he used is he's being drug there. I mean that doesn't that doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good, and I, I don't. Well, you're going to feel like happen. I'm, I'm sure you're going to feel like you're being drug in relationships sometimes, right? Well, a little bit. So, well, yes, but that shouldn't happen until you get married. Okay, it, it, it shouldn't happen until you get married that you feel like you're being drug into things. Did you? Were you? Did you feel like you were drugged before you were married? Um, I mean. It, Maybe at certain times. I don't remember. But was it worth it? Was it worth it? Uh, Sure. Yeah, it was worth it. Definitely. Okay. So there you go. So it'll it'll take his own. But my wife never never made me go see Barbie. So there's a line. That would be my line. But Nick, hey, Nick's going to go do it, and I hope he enjoys the movie. Uh, I support him. You know that. Yeah, I know. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, But some of the other things we're talking about. uh, Would you trade Andrew Painter at the deadline? Do you think it's more likely he does get traded at the deadline after this injury? I'd be more willing to trade him if I'm a Phillies fan. Not that I'm worried about him long term. Guys come back from Tommy John. He'll probably be fine. Um, But he's not going to be useful to you. He's not going to be able to contribute to this team over the next couple of years. And this is a team that's built to win now. So I would trade him. So if you want to get on that, you're welcome to. And also, uh, if you've rewatched the Super Bowl, which I did over the weekend, um, I don't think a lot of the complaints that we've had as a fan base are valid. I don't think the turf had that big of, a fa- uh, of an impact in that game. And I, I don't think, you know, the officiating, while the call at the end was questionable, um, it was not one-sided. There was a call early in the game where James Bradbury held Juju Smith-Schuster on a third down, was not called, and the ensuing possession, the Eagles fumbled. The Eagles go down and score there, as they did mo- the majority of the game, you know, that's completely different. The biggest difference was the Chiefs took advantage of 
the Eagles' mistakes, and the Eagles didn't take advantage of the Chiefs' mistakes. And as a fan, I can live with that, and it's easier to live with it. Like, it's easier to live with just admitting that the Eagles lost to a better team rather than blaming all these other factors and, and convincing yourself that the team got screwed out of a championship. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to David and Fairmount. What's up, David? Hey, guys. How you doing, man? <laughs> How, uh, wow, how far have we sunk that uh, we're talking about Barbie uh, on WWE? I mean, the, the overnight show, doing the overnight show has a certain freedom, I guess, to do such things. Yeah, so, I mean, you like to have fun oh, sometime, no, David. It's not like the, oh, uh, it's, fun. it's, it's fun. not the most happening time of year. So, you know, we can get into a lot of different things. <laughs> it's fun. Listen, I just, uh, a shout out to, I don't know if Mary's still listening, but I, I'm a guy that just happened to, was in transit and I flipped on the car radio and heard you, I came on Mary's call. And uh, I thought she gave a very uh, pithy and worthy defense of that film. And I, I love the way you uh, accepted her defense of that film. I don't know who this guy Nick is, but my advice to that young man is, uh, how old he is, but I'm 60, is just, it's just two hours out of your life. <laughs> you all go. Right. You go. And and that's all. So, so a successful relationship very obviously is about making, you know, certain yeah. sacrifices at the time. So it's fine, whatever. But, yeah, I thought Mary's defense was great. Mary was. Mary did give a very good... uh, She really did. She gave a persuasive argument, I'll say that. No, she did. She did. Because, you know, this is is a very uh, male-centric... Uh, forum and and uh, and and radio station and uh, and obviously women have a very different life experience. So yeah, so good for her. I, I might watch it uh, if it's online by myself. I'm single, but I'm not going to the theater to see it. Right. But then again, I wouldn't see Harry Potter either. I, I will go see Oppenheimer because it's about the dawn of nuclear Armageddon. So naturally, that's a thing that would attract a guy to go see. But anyway, um, listen, I, I was surprised that. Our, that people are still are people still litigating the reasons why the Eagles lost the Super Bowl. Yeah, so I mean, I, we am did, I correct? the station did a big uh, a lot of the shows did a rewatch of the Super Bowl last week. Okay. And yeah, I mean, David, a lot of people are still upset about the turf and about it. the flag. And I just uh, I don't think I that they were that big of factors in the game, honestly. OK, let me let me give you my this is what has uh, amazed me about. Uh, the outcome of that game, what ha- the events that happened in that game, and, and our perspectives on it since then. And this is from a guy that's lived his whole life in Philadelphia and spent some time covering sports as well. And I'm I'm fascinated by this and have been. Uh, if you if you're going to point to a single play. And, and I get it. It's a, there's a whole, you know, um, you know, the, 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 there's a whole, uh, the many, many plays in a single game. But if it's just if you're going to point to a say it's not Bradbury, so because Bradbury did clutch at the player, and, and even John Ritchie said, in a situation like that, you get into the huddle and you say to each other, "Listen, no penalties, no fouls. We're, we're on straight up and up. Don't do anything stupid." And Bradbury clutched at him, and Bradbury admitted that. So, so they got the flag thrown. No, the, the single biggest play in that game. Was, I'm sorry. It was Jalen Hurts dropping the ball. He was carrying it with one hand. Nobody touched him. Nobody had it. He just dropped the ball, and then he clumsily kicked it. And all the Chiefs had to do was pick it up and run it in. And that was seven points. And in the Super, it was the biggest blunder in the history of Philadelphia sports. I challenge anybody to come up with a bigger blunder in the history of Philadelphia sports. It was, I to me, it was arguably the biggest blunder, unforced error in the history of the Super Bowl. And I know the history of the Super Bowl very well. It, it you know, it wasn't it. it 
even even when Gary Premian, you know, clumsily threw that ball in and the Redskins picked it, it, that didn't change the outcome of the game. And 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 the Redskins at least had to block that kick. Right. The Chiefs didn't have to do anything. When Jackie Smith dropped the ball in 77 against the Steelers, well, he, you know, he had to make the catch and he didn't. Guys drop passes and it Well, happens. David, but, I'll, 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 I'll say this. I think the Russell Wilson interception was probably big, a no, bigger blunder. No, it, it was, but in that situation, and I know I'm parsing here, but at least the Patriots had to step up and make a play, and Butler did do that. He made a great play. The Chiefs didn't have to do anything. Jalen, nobody touched him. He just dropped the ball, and then he kicked it. All the Chiefs had to do was pick it up and run it in. Butler had to make a great play, and he did. The Chiefs didn't have to do anything. And if 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 Jalen doesn't do that, they take a 17-point lead into halftime, and they get 10 points in the second half, and literally the Chiefs do not have enough possessions to overcome a 27-point deficit. That's the reason, but we are so in love with Jalen Hurts that in this city, in Philadelphia, where we criticize everything, we don't spare anybody. Mike Schmidt got butchered, and he was the greatest third baseman of all time. Jalen Hurts has escaped criticism, and I think he should because he's a good, right. man, good young man. But I mean, that was the that no, was the reason. No, David, I no, I appreciate it, and I appreciate your call, man. And. You're right, and that that's the funny thing is David goes through all the litany of, of reasons why that was the biggest play in the game, and I agree it was the biggest play of the game, and it did turn the game in the Chiefs' favor, but we're all hesitant to blame Jalen Hurts because we love him so much and because he is as 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 good a player as he is and because he does work as hard as he does, and there's no doubt, and the way he responded in that game is incredibly comforting moving forward because that was another big takeaway rewatching that is after that game Jalen Hurts was, was pretty much perfect like the rest of the way he played an awesome game but at the same time that was the biggest play like that is the reason the Eagles lost and, and you know we don't want to say it because of how much we like him and how much we believe in him but there's no doubt man I mean it was a, a massive play now is it the biggest blunder in Super Bowl history I mean, I don't. I'm not willing to go that far. It it was unfortunate. I mean, he tried switching arms with the ball, um, something he does frequently, and just slipped out of his hands at the wrong time. Like I don't think it was nerves. I don't think it had anything to do with that. It was just an unfortunate uh, time for a mistake to happen, and it was a critical one. And it went a long way to costing the Eagles uh, in that game and, and costing them a, a Super Bowl victory. Uh, let's go to our buddy Tony in Warminster. What's up, Tony? Hey, what's up, TK? How you doing? Good, man. How you doing? Everything is good. Did you ever get my tweets that I sent to you? I got a ch- I got a check, man. I'm not I'm not the best at checking uh, checking my tweet notes. You got a nice page, man. I think you got a lot of engagement on your page, and I'm not even on there a lot. I think that you have a nice following on there. You oh, should thanks, use man. it to your advantage. Well, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm trying, Tone. I'm I'm trying. Definitely. I mean, or get a moderator because there's a lot of people getting you up on there from what I've seen. Um, I want to say that it's a shame about the painter situation, but they had a situation with Strasburg. He had the same injury, and he came back dynamic. He just got burned out in the end. But Strasburg, Steven Strasburg, turned out to be an ace. 
So I'm not giving up on him, man. I'm not trying to trade your best. It took us a long time to rebuild this system. The only thing that I would even remotely consider is Otani, if he's willing to sign an extension. But other than that, I don't even want to do that deal, tell you the truth. And um, my thing is that you got Griff McGarry and you got um, Abel down in the system, you got to stop babying them guys, man. You got to start to bring them along because now you without your, you without one of your aces. So if these guys are, as, as they say, as good as they are, they got to show and prove, man. I'm tired of babying them. You agree with me? Yeah, well, in terms of what? In terms of pain? Let me just say well, this. I mean, if the kid needs Caleb, Tommy John surgery, Tony, there's not well, much no, you can do. I'm not talking about Painter. Okay. I'm talking about Griff McGarry and Abel. They've been babying them for too long. you got to see if these either they can pitch or they can't. Look at Atlanta. Their guys came up, you know, include that guy with that funny mustache. You know, it, they, they can play, and they, they, they proved their weight to the system. The Phillies have a problem. I don't know if Caleb Coughlin is the one developing them down in the um, minors because he's the major league uh, pitching coach, but somebody got to start bringing these guys along like Crawford. I don't want Crawford's um, son sitting down in the system for years. Phillies don't know how to bring their development players along. But this is the thing, Tony. Like, they don't – the Phillies right now, there's not a need for Mick Abel or Griff McGarry to be here. You know, they have a starting rotation that is pretty well filled out right now. If we had, if we yeah, had a situation, listen, if we had a situation the where the fifth starter. star, right. But Christopher Sanchez has been fine as the fifth starter recently. No, I don't, I don't like him. I'll be honest with you, TK. There's a couple of guys out there they can get. There's a guy named Dylan Cease on Chicago. Chicago got like three pitchers, the Chicago White Sox that I like, but they're going to have to probably give up McGarry for Cease. And let me tell you something. They got Dylan Cease. He looks like a, like a number two or a number three. That's the kind of guy you can let Aaron Nola roll and be happy with Cease. He's that good. Well, no, I, I hear you, Tone, and I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. But I don't, I don't see pitching as a massive need for the Phillies right now. And I can't remember a trade deadline where we've gone into recently where that's been the case. Like, usually the biggest need for the Phillies at trade deadline is, is a reliever or a closer, and they've always kind of had issues in that regard. But I don't see it as a big need right now. I, I really don't. I think the pitching staff's in good shape. I think the rotation's in good shape. Um, the bullpen is, is as long as you believe that Jose Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez are going to return and are going to return and be, be healthy, I think your pitching staff's in pretty good shape. You need a bat. You desperately need, to, need a bat, and you need a first baseman. Like, that's what you need right now. And I would go out, and I'd go get Paul Goldschmidt. And I'd include Andrew Painter in a Goldschmidt trade. Would you do that, Francisco? You're, you're rolling your eyes. It doesn't look like you would. But, no, but- you, don't, you don't need to get superstars at the deadline to win a World Series. Like, it's a crapshoot when you get to the playoffs, okay? You can do what you did. All, you're you're going to have a better record going into the, into the, 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 the playoffs this year. You're going to make the wild card. You don't have to do uh, – look, at look. I, I, I point to the Atlanta Braves. 
Braves a lot because obviously they're in our division. We're always looking up at them. Mm-hmm. But why can't we just like do like they're like a blueprint? Look at all the deadline acquisitions they've done over the last couple of years. Think of some of the names. They won the World Series with Eddie Rosario and Jorge Soler at the deadline, getting uh, Rysel Iglesias. I, he wasn't on the World Series team, but just in general, if you look at uh, a lot of the deals they've made, they go out and they get these they get these you know solid names uh, that help them that help them win, and they don't need they don't need to get. Uh, and I look at the Phillies this way. They don't need to to sacrifice their their farm because look, maybe they wouldn't have Spencer Strider right now. Maybe they wouldn't have Michael Harris if they had if they had decided they needed to go get uh, a whoever a big name at the deadline. Uh, you know, the last couple of years. But no, they continue to slowly and steadily be contenders every year because they don't decide that they need to give up the farm for one guy it's, every year, especially in baseball where it's a crapshoot every year. It's in the playoffs a, anyway. A f- Fair point. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And you look at the teams that make the splashy deadline moves, you would be right. Typically the ones that go out and get the stars, it doesn't always pan Astros out Astros last them. year with Mancini. But they need, the Phillies need a first baseman. No, they baseman. don't. That- they do need a first baseman. You, you're you content with Derek Hall playing first base in the playoffs? So, Are you kidding? So Bryce isn't playing first base now? That's like 100%? He's he not going to get. I mean. Right. But if he does, which I still think is definitely possible, then I, I'm still cool with getting a corner outfielder and some depth for pitching. And it, I think that's all you need. It's possible, but can we bank on that though? Like think about this Francisco. Like mm. we have 13 days till the deadline. Even if he plays a handful of games and like Dombrowski, Topper, Bryce have as they have all said, if he does this, this is going to be, you know, a one day on, two days off type thing. So at most you're seeing him play 4 or 5 days before the deadline. Like what if it what if it doesn't work? What what if you get to this point and and, and he struggles? What if that happens? At first base? Yeah. He's going to be fine. I I, I always – I know it's – I always well, go back. I, to my, I, all I've been told is first base is is a difficult position to play. This is my problem. I don't know, the previous man. first base. Scott Hatterberg went from catcher to first base near. He was fine. Well, we he was fine. We so spent I don't, years. I don't. We spent years watching a guy play first base who couldn't do it, and he's played there his entire career, and he couldn't do yeah, it well. I mean, and that that wasn't that big of a deal. Reese's bat was just the the, the bigger deal. So like, I, I know. Oh my God, those big deal in Game Five of the World oh, Series. Oh my all God, I never lose that. World Series anyway. I mean, stop it. Stop. stop it. I'll take those thirty home runs with, and plus his defensive metrics were a little better anyway. <laughs> I don't uh, care about anyway, the metrics. I do, but uh, but but yeah, I, I don't. I don't. In in general, I don't think they need to to go out and get a big bat at the deadline. Um, yeah, and, it, and by, by the way, he's not going to do it. We can sit here and talk about this, but Don Browski he's not going to do it. We know his track record. He's not the type of GM to do this. So, I mean, we could talk about it. That's obviously it's what we do, but he's not going to do it. So, well, Fair enough. I, I think there's a possibility that they do make a move, um, a, a big move. I, and it, whatever. If it's not Goldschmidt, fine. You need to do something, and you need a first baseman because I am not willing to rely on Bryce Harper playing a position that he's never played before. I mean, I'd be on someone like Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas would be a great bat. He's been really good, but I think his stock has raised a little bit just because of how good he's been this year. So I, I don't know, man. I'm not I'm not willing to, to trade up some of these 
uh, you know, trade up a handful of farm pieces. I, I, I got you. Yeah. I got you. And we'll see what ends up happening. But I think the Phillies do need to fill the need in one way or another. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. When we get back, uh, we'll get to your calls. We'll also get to what this former Eagle had to say about Philadelphia uh, that's pretty, pretty outrageous. We'll get to that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for another half hour here. I'll be back on tomorrow night from 10 to 2 as well. Um, we'll break down, obviously, final game, Phil's Brewers. Early game tomorrow, 1235. Um, I'll be down there, so excited for that, uh, to see the Phil's take on the Brewers tomorrow. Uh, and we'll get back to the calls in a minute here as well. But I did need to mention one thing that happened on uh, on Wednesday involving a former Eagle. And the guy that, that many people, I think, would, would dub as the Eagles' biggest loss this offseason was C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who, I mean, was very good for this team last year, traded for in training camp, had a good season, but the Eagles didn't want to give him a long-term deal. Um, and he ended up going to Detroit – on a very modest, like, one year, I think, $6.5 million deal, something pretty cheap. And C.J. Gardner-Johnson is an interesting character and a guy who um, I think the Eagles had some concerns about giving a long-term deal to uh, for various reasons. But he did, like, a live stream on Wednesday and was playing a video game. But at least he, he, he messes with the weather, he says. He likes the weather. But if you didn't catch exactly what he said earlier on, he said he doesn't like the people. The people were bleeping obnoxious. And, you know, when I look at this situation, I can't say enough how much of a bullet the Eagles dodged by not bringing this dude back. And at the time, a lot of people were bemoaning his loss. But I don't think the Eagles loved having him around. And I said it at the time, and a lot of people had problem with me saying it at the time um the fact that i didn't think the eagles wanted to sign him because i don't think they felt like they could trust him like you heard whispers throughout the year about him in practice that he was not exactly an easy guy for the coaching staff to deal with um that he rubs some players the wrong way and i think they worried about his attitude and this is a report from roman harper who was down in new orleans uh covered cj gardner johnson down there here was uh his take on cj gardner johnson heading the offseason this past year and whether he'd get a long-term deal it's going to be interesting because my only fear is if he's not all the way right off the field and taking care of his business all the time and continue to try and be the best person he can off the field, mm. I, that would be my only scare for him. It has mm. nothing to do with on-the-field talent because he's on-field talent. He was a first-round talent, mm. but he got drafted in the third round because of some other oh, question marks. Yeah. And then now he's been that first-round talent on the field since he's gotten to the league. But it's concerns in some other areas. Why? Because the best players never leave your organization. The Saints weren't going to pay him. That's why they traded him. Philly eventually may have to pay him or somebody's going to pay him. He's a free agent. Yeah, so yeah. somebody's going to pay him. So, and, But my only fear is money makes you more what you are. And it's true. I mean, why do you think there's no market for C.J. Gardner-Johnson? Why was there no market this offseason? He's a good player, but I mean, the Saints didn't want to pay him. They traded him basically for nothing. In a year where the Saints didn't have a first-round pick, they had no incentive to not win last year. And they gave him up basically for nothing because they didn't want to have him around. Uh, the Eagles didn't want to pay him long term. Nobody else wanted to pay him long term. And the Eagles dodged a massive bullet by not bringing him back. And this is why they're a well-run organization. Like, 
that's not what this organization is about. And, you know, a lot of people dismiss this after the Super Bowl. I don't think they liked what he said about Jonathan Gannon. If you remember, he tweeted, you know, basically Gannon was to blame for the loss. And he might feel that way. And he might not be the only guy that feels that way. But you don't come out and say it. Like, you don't do that to somebody who you've worked with throughout the course of the year. And, you know, that that's not the way you respond when things don't go well. And think about this. Like, this is what C.J. Gardner-Johnson, this is the way he responds when things go well and he's throwing people under the bus, when you lost the Super Bowl. How do you think that guy would respond if this team starts, you know, one and two? and they're struggling, or he's not putting up the numbers that he wants to put up, he would have been a problem. And I'm glad he's gone. I think he's a jerk, to be honest with you. I'm glad he's not an eagle anymore. And, you know, not to mention the fact he's also a liar, because now he says how much he hated it here, and he hated the people. Well, it's not what he was saying during the year. Here's what C.J. Gardner-Johnson had to say the week of the Super Bowl about playing in Philly. So what changed? He didn't get the contract. And all of a sudden he hates the fan base now. But I'm glad he's gone. I I, I think, you know, he would have been a problem if the Eagles had re-signed him. And I think they're going to be better off uh, without him. And it's a shame because he's a good player, talented kid. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't think he's a good teammate. And uh, I don't think – making a long-term investment into C.J. Gardner-Johnson would have been a good move, and I'm glad he's gone. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to Damien Mount Airy. What's up, Damien? Hey, good evening to you. Well, good, good midnight to you. How you doing, man? Not bad, not bad. So, you know, I didn't know all that about C.J. G.J. and his, his, uh, his attitude, but, you know, it's true. He was a good player. Now he's not here. We probably did dodge a bullet. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, man. I mean he he is he's a talented player, and um, you know it's it's a shame that that he hasn't been able to figure that other stuff out. But I just don't think signing him would have been a good move. And like, there's a reason why a guy who put up those kind of numbers and is as talented as he is, there's a reason why there was no market for him. Hear that? So yeah, I don't even want to talk about him. So I have some <laughs> advice for Francisco. Don't be like me. I've had the same job for 20 years. I may have been on time uh, two months out of those there you go. five days a week. Okay. And somehow I still have a job, but I don't think that that's a usual situation. No, I mean, you know, Francisco, he just needs to show a little more professionalism. That's all. You know. I mean, I have I have trouble. I sleep in, and I've woken up with boots and books and all kinds of stuff next to me. The fire alarm going off, you know, four alarms going off, and just don't even hear them. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing, Damien. I I I set like five alarms every day. Like I'll I'll get home tonight, and I got to be up kind of early tomorrow. So yeah, I'll set like five alarms to make sure I'm I'm able to get. Yeah, up. I I just have been lucky and have been able to have jobs that don't require me to be there exactly on time well that's good yeah that's good my uh my dad works for septa i've never asked him for a job even though i kind of feel like it'd be cool to work for septa but i know i'd have to be on time and that ain't him so. right, right well yeah i mean if you have something where it's a little more flexible that's good man uh what do you got on the fills so yeah let's start at first base 
I feel like the only way it really works is if Bryce can play for his base, which I don't really want him to do. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, you're you're stuck this whole time we've been stuck because Bryce has had to be the DH, and you know you want to give Schwarber and Cassianos, although Cassianos looks every day, you know, he should be okay. But really, Schwarber needs some rest out in left field. He can't be jumping and you know, playing like a gazelle like tonight every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I appreciate it, Damian. Thanks for the call. And yeah, I mean, Schwarber made a great catch last night and and you know, I I would love for Bryce Harper to be able to play first base and then he could worry about getting an outfield bat. But we don't know if he's gonna be able to do it. And yeah, it should be an easy position, but who knows? Like what if Bryce Harper goes out there? And in August, it just doesn't feel right. And maybe his arm's not feeling right, and they realize, okay, he really can't throw. You know, he can't be out there every day. You need to solve this problem because you have no alternative that is acceptable. Like, Derek Hall is—the dude stinks. I'm sorry. He stinks. He's bad. He's a bad baseball player. Cody Clemens did a nice job for three to four weeks, filled in admirably. He is not a starting first baseman on a playoff team. Drew Ellis, I don't think, should be in the major leagues anymore. Like, you, they're your other three options. You have no other options. Could you move Bohm over to first play at Mundo at third? Sure. I like Mundo Sosa as an extra player. He's not a guy who you can play every day. He'll get exposed. Like, we saw that earlier on in the year when the Phillies tried it. You need to solve that position, and they've run out of time. Like, the time to play Bryce Harper was two, three weeks ago. That's when you needed to start this process. You don't have enough time now. You don't know if this is going to work, and you need a backup plan. Just banking on it and hoping it's not good enough for a team that wants to win a World Series. You're not a real contender if you don't have any sort of solution at first base. Let's go to Jason Swedesboro. What's up, Jason? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? I'm doing good. I do want to give a, a quick um, difference of perspective on the Jalen Hurts fumble because I think it's easily like the third most important play of the game. But the context of the entire half – does not make it the most important play, in my opinion. If it was like he fumbled and his entire mental was shattered for the rest of the game, then it's the most important play of the game. But he fumbled on a third down that was already a designed QB run on a third and six that shouldn't have been a play call to begin with. And he fumbled that was going to be a tackle on a fourth down that would have resulted in a punt, and who knows if they got seven points or not. So, one – you can say whether or not the seven points matter because if Mahomes goes and scores the seven points, it takes more time off the clock. Jalen Hurts went and scored a seven points immediately after they scored. So it wasn't like he went and then gave the ball back to Mahomes and they scored again and they started snowballing. He immediately responded on it, and then the defense got a stop, and then he went and took a 10-point lead to go on top of that. So the whole thing of, like, oh, his fumble was the most important play of the game, it was important play of the half because, you know, they definitely could have maybe stopped Mahomes, but they still probably would have drained more clock out and most likely wouldn't have been able to get, you know, another seven, three, and then three points. They might have been able to get another touchdown, but that's a whole different other scenario. 
as to where, like, you know, Devontae, if he catches it on the sideline, they could get a touchdown instead of a field goal right. in the half. Well, and fair enough, Jason. And, and um, you know, I think, it, by the way, you just brought another thing up to me that I, I if, if, it, if fans want to complain about anything, I think the complaint is the Devontae Smith catch because watching yeah, back, yeah, I think, I think it probably was a catch. I agree with you there. But as they, far as. They ruled it a catch is why I say it's a catch, by the way. If they said no right. catch, I would have said, okay, you can't overturn that. But they ruled it a catch, and there was no angle that says that was not a catch. Right. It was very close. And it reminded me, honestly, a lot of the Corey Clement catch in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, honestly, the way it went it down. A and phenomenal call. Right. Um, I, I agree with you there. But I'll, I'll say this in terms of the fumble, though. Like, in the first half, and I agree, it was a massive play of that half, the Eagles' defense actually played pretty well in the first half. Like, aside from that first drive where the Chiefs went right down and Kelsey caught the touchdown, the defense was playing well. And – hey, I don't know what happened with Patrick Mahomes and what they did to his ankle at halftime, but he looked like a different guy in the second half. But if the Eagles, even if they don't get that first down and punt that football, I think the defense could have gotten a stop there. Well, and I'm not disagreeing with it. I think they could have gotten a stop. I don't think they would have gotten a three and out just because of how the defense played, which is where the time limit does come into effect with me is because I had seen the Eagles off, not offense, defense all year give up these really long drawn out you know drives like the end of the second like the end of the game was what a seven minute drive oh no the Eagles had one but the end of the game they were driving for a good amount of time chunking that clock out um two years ago still with Jonathan Gannon though it's just kind of like the Jonathan Gannon defense the Chargers game they were just chunking the clock out during that entire time and it happened during a few other games it's just kind of like how that defense plays because you don't give up the big you know play when they're versing those good quarterbacks they almost always have those drives where it's like you might make the stop, but they are going to at least take probably five minutes off that clock just right. because you're you, it, you're shortening the field as you go, so your defense gets better because you're less you know field to cover up because you don't want the big play. So especially against Mahomes, you know the shorter field, the less likely he can bomb you over the top because it's just less yards. But I do think that the fumble itself, just because it put points on the board for the other team, is obviously like the number three. The first one would be uh, kicking the field goal instead of going for it um, to start in the second half. That was just. Uh, you know, Nick Sirianni was confident all year, and then it showed a waiver in his confidence. It showed a waiver not only in his confidence, his confidence in his quarterback and his confidence in his offense, which he should have had full confidence in the Super Bowl. Like Doug Peterson said, fourth down, we aren't kicking a field goal with our backup in. We're going to run a trick play, actually, and score on you. Right. That's confidence. And the second one would probably be the pun return. And yeah. then third would go hurt fumble. No, me. I hear you, Jason. I appreciate the call. Good call, man. Yeah, the pun return was huge. As far as the field goal, like, I know that's something we look back on. Now, the situation, Eagles are up 24-21. They're at the Chiefs, like, 20. It's fourth and six. I, I, I didn't have a huge problem with it at the, at the time. And I don't have a huge problem with it now. Like, obviously, looking back, you, you go for it because – kicking the field goal didn't work out but I didn't think that was a terrible call I mean fourth and three it, it's different but fourth and six that if you don't get that you know it's a real deflating so I didn't have a huge problem with Sirianni kicking the field goal there so I, I don't look at that as a massive mistake looking back on it 215-592-9494 if you want to get in couple minutes left for me and when we get back I need to get this I was alerted uh by um 
Mike Angelina earlier today, who's kind of like the station's executive producer here, kind of oversee. He's like the watchdog. He looks, he finds sound from everywhere. And he tracked down uh, a sound from our old buddy Gabe Kapler. Mike and I always used to do a Gabe Kapler check-in. And Gabe Kapler, did he rip Bryce Harper passive-aggressively? We'll get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly with Still 2 Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly wrapping up the show tonight. I'll be back on tomorrow night from 10 to 2 as well. And, uh, you know, one of the big things we've been talking about, Bryce Harper and the delay in him playing first base. And uh, our old friend Gabe Kapler, who I just miss hearing from, honestly, um, because he he's just says such illuminating things and uh, just love hearing what Gabe has to say on all topics. Um, but... He was on MLB Network Radio, I believe, on uh, Wednesday. And I think he might have taken a passive-aggressive shot at Bryce Harper. I don't know. Like, he talks about, you know, the willingness of Jock Peterson to play first base. Maybe that's something that's preventing Bryce from going out there, not wanting to uh, be embarrassed if he doesn't think he's ready. What do you think, Francisco? You think that was a little shot at Bryce there from from Absolutely not. Gabe? No, you're just being you're just being TK. What do you mean? You're being TK. He was not taking a shot at Bryce. He, uh, that that's that, I that's don't just know. Gabe. I it, mean, come on. It sounded to me like a passive aggressive shot. Like, look at my guy, willing to go out there, willing to do it for the team, playing a position. He's not gonna you know say it and wait forever and wait until the trade deadline to actually do it. Jock Peterson's out there. He's doing it, man. He's playing first base. Gabe had like a good relationship with. Bryce, didn't he? Or nah? I don't. I mean, I don't know. He got fired the year after Bryce got yeah, here, so maybe Bryce last... got him fired. Who knows? Nah, Bryce didn't get him fired. How do you know? Nah, because I know. I know things. Well, I think I think it might have been a shot at Bryce. Uh, we can maybe we'll explore this more tomorrow. I I don't have enough time now, but tomorrow. Maybe we'll explore this a little further. Did Gabe Kapler gonna... take a shot at Bryce Harper? Bryce Harper will be at first base next week. We'll see. That's what we've been hearing for five weeks now. We've been hearing that no, for we, five weeks. What do you mean? About he'll be playing first base. When's it going to happen, okay? It's going to happen next week. TK, don't we'll see. Are you okay? I'm not okay. No, this team needs a first baseman. I can't watch Derek Hall. If I see – I can't stand him, okay? Nice guy. It's. I feel like I'm in this revolving door of first baseman. I always need to say he's a nice guy, but he stinks. And Hoskins, I know he didn't stink. His defense stunk. But, you know, still, same thing. Similar thing. And look, so, so here's how I feel too, right? Like, I think that if, if Bryce doesn't play first base, which I still think he will. This isn't a decoy. Like, you think, are you, do you think like, this is a decoy? But, no, but what if he goes out there and he can't do it? We don't know He's going to be fine. I could play first base, TK. Look at me. Look at me right now. I could play first base. <laughs> All you guys have told me the last year is how hard it is, and that's the excuse for Hoskins making error after error. Yeah, and well, now it's know. changed. But, you know, it depends on metrics, you know. No, it He's depends right. on your agenda. Because you're agenda-driven, agenda. and your buddy Earnshaw is agenda-driven. No, we're not. I'm the only truth teller around here. I'm the only person that's <laughs> unbiased and completely without an agenda. That might be the, that might be the single biggest lie you've ever told me to my face. I'm <laughs> so offended. As a friend, as a mentor to me, I don't want to lie like you. We're not friends anymore. I'm only friends with people who show up to work on time. Aww. So we're not friends Aww. anymore. Uh, but that'll do it for, for me tonight. I'll be back on tomorrow night from 10 to 2. Stay tuned. John Johnson is coming up next. Uh, thank you to Francisco Rojas and Nick Earnshaw for producing the show uh, right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP.